The following hoot nanny will be explicit. Oh, we had this good idea. Well, it seemed good at the time. Now half our party's dead, and that sure ain't a good sign. So now we're back to character gen. Our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Oh, we had this good idea. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. So now we're back to character gen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Thank you for joining us for Season 15, Episode 2 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gina. This is Stork. And I'm Kimmy. And I'm back. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and... Oh, and I'm on camera. What? I don't warrant a separate introduction. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. okay, all right. Yeah, you're right. And we really? have a very dun, special dun, guest. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to pot you down. Dun, we have dun, a very dun. special guest on. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, all right. Our listeners have demanded that he return ever since his yep. his last appearance uh, in the, in the early spring, uh, and he has uh, agreed through much negotiation and promises Absolutely. to come back on again. The Angry GM. Yeah, you almost slipped. You called it the GM there. I, I did. <laughs> hey, I'm the angry GM. Woohoo. What is it actually you're angry about? Everything. I'm things. a GM. <laughs> you a G- Look, seriously, you cannot be a GM for 27 years and not eventually get angry about it. GMing is a shit job. <laughs> It's like it's like having an extra part-time job for a bunch of thankless morons who don't pay you. Oh, I see. I'm a parent, so I get that anyway. <laughs> they don't even pay you in snacks. But that usually only lasts twenty some years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that's the thing: is never admit that you're the like the minute they get you behind the screen. That's it. You're the GM for life because no one else wants to do that. Yeah, no, I see you in the chat. Lokio is saying an angry GM, one of several. No, I am the angry GM. The... I don't come in six packs. No. Okay? <laughs> you're he not like definitely, the... definitely doesn't come with six packs. You're not you're not like the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, what is that supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> you're not like the Dread Pirate Roberts that like you are now the second incarnation of Angry DM and the first one has like gone off and started a game company. Well, you know what? If that was the case, I wouldn't admit it. <laughs> you couldn't. It would kind of ruin the whole thing, wouldn't it? It would. Yep. So, uh, let me just... Uh, brief announcements. We've got a game convention coming in, coming up, uh, what, September 5th, 6th, 7th? 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th? Mm-hmm. Something like that? It's like tomorrow. I'm not prepared. No. It's it Labor Day weekend tomorrow. at the Hilton LAX. I'll <laughs> be there. Mm-hmm. We'll all be, I think most of us will be there this time. Tyler yeah. is going to yeah. probably make yeah. it. Yeah, so. cool. Nope. They'll you, be there if they get the date right. Are you going to be there? What? You're going to be there? No. No. Oh, they'll be there. No, they'll be there. Yeah, I, I, I say never you'll the be there right. if you get the dates right. That's why I always hedge my bets with Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Because they can you know, just the thing, that up. You could have actually looked this up before we went live. I mean, I don't want to tell you how to do your job. <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah. I, 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 could, you know, I could do it right now because that's great radio. See, See that's, that's why you're a DM because you have organizational <laughs> skills the rest of us don't. <laughs> It's like the, I don't know. It's like the fifth, no, I know and which pile. Sixth and seventh this year. I thought it was because we were fucking lazy. Fourth, fifth, I and am. seventh. 
Oh, yeah, I was right. I totally guessed right. Fourth, yeah. fifth, sixth, and seventh. I don't need to look that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs accurate information when you can take a shot in the dark? Dag Nabbit. Right. All right, I'm going to turn him up a little bit. Can you say something? Like what? That's perfect. Thank <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but I'm a fucking master of this shit, aren't I? You are. Yeah, yeah absolutely you are. So, um... Anything, anything going on? How is the how is the rebooting of your uh, of your web page? Has it because that, that you had you were getting ready to launch that? I think the last time you were on has that has yep. that all happened? Uh, and yes, I did. I relaunched. I'm now theangrygm.com. That's G is a new M is a mnemonic. Um, <laughs> of course, and it's it was going really well until I got evicted, lost my job, and now I have to move 800 miles, and I'm doing that in about uh, what 30. Days. Really? Wow. Woo! Yeah, I'm that, moving to Chicago. That's enough to make you wow. angry right there. Chicago's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Cool. So unfortunately my uh my update schedule has fallen apart a little bit, but I'm mainly oh. trying to keep it up. And I guess I should I might as well plug it here. Uh April's wait, June what the hell month are we now? We're June. in the end of June, June, soon to be July. I should have looked this up before I went online. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who would have thought of something yeah, like bro that? Bro would have. July 17th, I'm actually starting a Patreon just to fund the damn thing, because I really can't afford to do it out of pocket anymore. Right. So We will totally pimp that. Who's doing the cartoons? They're super cute. They're awesome. What was that? Who's who's doing the cartoons on your webpage? Oh, okay. That that is my good friend and weekly victim, John Mosley. He goes by Big John Mosley on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um... He's been doing the art for me for some time. He actually designed the Angry GM character. And now it's reached the point where I'm giving him money to do it. So he's like a real artist. I mean, he actually (laughs) was a real artist. um, For a while, he actually worked for Archie Comics. Um, He uh, he was doing editing and stuff, uh, and then that that kind of fell through. But um, if there are ever any Angry GM published products in the next six to nine months he might be doing the art for those as well hypothetically if such a thing were to exist yeah hypothetically okay you gonna kickstarter that or you just gonna publish it Uh, the first one's gonna be kickstartered i actually uh without giving too much away i actually now have a two and a half year business plan to start my own uh label so that's awesome that was before or after you got evicted (laughs) This was before, but eviction actually moved up the timetable. <laughs> it was like, well, I got nothing else to live for. I'm going to starve to death in three months anyway. Might as well go out with a bang. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> nothing but time now. Damn straight. Excellent. Uh, I'm, uh, let me just say, uh, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we record on either Friday nights or Saturday mornings Pacific time. Uh, we, I usually tweet that out a day or two ahead of time. And if it's cha- if it changes, I usually put it up on our webpage, happyjacks.org slash live. And that's where you can go to listen uh, or view, I guess, the show. Go to happychecks.org slash live. And we also have a chat room if, you want, if you're if you watching it on the YouTubes or on the Google Hangout and you want to be in the chat room as well. The chat room is happychecks.org slash chat. We have a forum, happychecks.org slash forum. And uh, it is active. Very. More active now than it has been mm-hmm. in the past. Probably because when we were doing a show every other week, 
I think you know interest kind of waned. And yeah. I, re- I just responded to something the other day, so we're always on it. I check yes. it at least once a day. Yeah. I check it several times a day. I think it also gets more active when we're doing the actual play podcasts. Yes, it does. Yeah. Because they like correcting us <laughs> and telling us we suck. Right. Yeah. Thanks for that, by the way, <laughs> listeners. I appreciate that. Kimmy, what? use your action surge. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm like paranoid and using action surges like every fucking five minutes. Okay, use an action surge. Oh my god. You can't use them that often. (laughs) I'm not being 100% effective. They're going to judge me. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Okay. No, I'm I'm to angry. Okay. Oh, shit. Um, I'm sorry. I was reading the chat. (laughs) I I zoned out when you guys were talking about your website and your stuff. Yeah. That's what that's what the listeners do whenever we talk. Yeah. Is sit and just talk about other stuff. Um yeah. Are they then listeners anymore if they're not listening? Yeah, I call them listeners. Oh. I, they're I'm, actually very interesting right now. I'm reading what's going on here. <laughs> they're very funny. They're talented. They are. They are. You should bring them on. <laughs> I know, God. Some of them we have. Instead of hacks oh, wait, like us. Wait, guys, yeah. how about you you in the chat and me, we start a podcast. <laughs> huh? Huh? Email like, me. Like you don't have enough to do. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh... You've run 5th edition D&D, yeah? Oh, yes, I have. Okay. Um, (laughs) What do you think about the game in general? I like the game, Mm -hmm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of asterisks and footnotes attached to that. Okay. So, as much as I like the game... It's very much, um, okay, you know what, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a friggin' nostalgia grab, okay? It was basically, they went back to 3rd edition, they took the skin of 3rd edition because that was like the explosion in popularity, and then they slammed into it 2nd edition and 1st edition uh, stuff that people wanted to bring back, and then that's what they sold. They're selling nostalgia. They didn't innovate like they did with 4th edition. So, of course, everybody loves it because it's just an amalgam of all the games everybody has already loved. It's like, you know, it's like loving a, a remade movie or a reboot, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, I, I feel stupid kind of complaining about that because, yeah, it is taking all the best parts of all the other editions and putting them together. So what the hell do I really have to complain about? <laughs> That's kind of what I want, isn't it? And I, as much as I didn't like fourth, I, I mean, that's the thing. Okay. I played fourth edition for about two and a half years before I finally gave up on it. And I didn't like it. It wasn't for me, <coughs> but at the same time, it at least innovated a lot. It tried to do new and different things. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to look at, like you could say fifth edition is a return to form, but at the same time, it almost feels like backsliding, like just sort of almost like phoning it in. I know that sounds horrible to say, but... And then there's a whole other issue in the presentation of the game, because the presentation of the game is absolute shit. How so? The books are extremely poorly arranged, especially the DM's Guide. The DM's Guide was delayed, because presumably because they had no idea what the hell they wanted to put in it, other than the magic item chapter. Um, 
the player's handbook is very unevenly put together. Like the beginning, the races, you get a lot of flavor and a lot of fluff. And they tried to build this, this sort of appeal to old school gamers where it's got all the, the fluff text from all the different novels and the different settings. And it mentions all of that. And then that sort of peters out. It gets into the mechanics and it becomes more and more cut and dry until the end where all you get is like goddamn spreadsheets of the gods. I, I mean, the, you know, there's no flavor in the equipment. The, you only have you have lists of gods. It was like they only wrote the first third of the book and then realized that they had to make that Gen Con <laughs> deadline. Right. I mean, I, I hate to say it like that, but that's really what it feels like. No, you're right. That and, that makes me nostalgic because that's exactly the way AD and D was too. You know, because you get to the DM's guide and you know it's just at the end. It's just oh my god, it's full of charts. Yeah, the, yeah first edi- the first edition uh, DM guide was not very well organized either. Terrible. Well, no, uh, but you know what? Of all the <laughs> things, if you're going to rewrite the damn DM's guide, maybe you want to fix the mistakes. <laughs> I mean, why are we starting with world building and then working our way into, oh, by the way, here's how to run a game. <laughs> I can't, I cannot right. for the life of me figure out who these books are written for, honestly. Because no experienced gamer who appreciates all this shit is actually reading every word in this book. No. And no newbie is getting anything out of this. No. I think that's a little bit Not that I had this handy just in case. (laughs) (laughs) Just slip that away and I'll take my skull mug and be quiet now. (laughs) So uh, uh, to what what uh, character level have you uh, played? Uh, About 10th. Okay. Okay. do you mind? Well, let me just ask you: Did did you notice combat starting to get longer and longer and longer? Yes. Did but that bother that's you? D&D. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you're I, right. I, it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's D&D. that that's so true. Yes. It's, if you don't like combat, don't play D and D. D and D is a combat game. <laughs> I'm sorry, it is. Everything right. about the class is about supporting their roles in combat, and that's, and that's not new either. I mean. No. That started in second edition. First edition was all over the place because nobody knew what the hell to do, which is why you only had one class that was actually focused on combat and everybody else's combat role was a mystery. Like, <laughs> I love the rogue or the thief or whatever the hell it was in first edition. Thief. It was like, when can you sneak attack? Right? When, or backstab. When can you actually backstab? Remember the, the DMs who would always have the argument about whether you could actually backstab during combat because people are just aware of you all the time in combat? That was before sneak attack was just assumed to be part of your combat role. Right. But over time, everybody became a fighter. Everybody became having to do something in combat. Combat became less and less optional. And that's what D&D is now. It's an action role-playing game. It's, so you want that? You play D and D. Me, I love combat. I love a well-designed combat. That's why I run D and D. But you know, you, if you're going to play D and D, you you don't complain about the combat. That's what it is. I just don't like it yes, taking two do. hours. I just don't like it taking two hours. You don't. Well, you don't try fast. every new version of D and D and hope that the combat's going to be different, <laughs> and then realize it's not different, and then try and find ways to fix it. What crazy person would do that? <laughs> oh man, they they're releasing a new edition of D and D. I sure hope it's completely different from D and D because I really don't want to be playing D and D. I know we'll start an actual play podcast, and then we'll suddenly realize that they they oh, yeah, have this is D and D forever, and it's D and D. It's not 1974 anymore. You have other options That's on the true. bookshelf. You know what, though, for the actual plays, the fact that we're playing D and D. 
has done wonders for listenership for the actual plays. That's true. It's probably it's, well, it's quadrupled fun. it. Like we're having a really and, good time with it. And that is the secret reason we're all into D and D, right? Because it's good for the subscription numbers. <laughs> it's popular. I don't give a shit about D and D. I gave up on it years ago. It's all a big lie. It's the only thing that draws people to my site. Um, angry. I, I hate to tell you this, but you just said that, like, to the public. You know what, though? I've learned I can say anything to the public. They, don't they give just a fuck. keep coming back. They're they morons. Yeah. <laughs> They're oh, actually not really listening out, to right? us right now. They're in the <laughs> chat room and they're like, what are they still talking? What? <laughs> no, they're talking about Savage Worlds now. Yeah, they want us to play Savage Worlds. I like oh. Savage I love Savage Worlds. I, I like Savage Worlds. I don't I like Savage Worlds for campaigns. Yeah, that's true. It's really, really great for one shots at cons. Maybe short I, campaigns. I don't mind it for no? campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. I also like to say that because it pisses off the people who really love I know. Savage Worlds. Because they're they're like Scientologists. So <laughs> Honestly, as the DM, the thing I appreciate, or GM, uh, the thing I appreciate most about Savage Worlds is it's so easy to create your own content for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's really like, easy to skin, and it's the fastest game yeah. prep of any system. Yes, that that I do love about it. Uh, I don't agree there. Oh, yeah, really? What's know. what's what's the ore system is pretty fast. The, oh, the like the one World. they use for Savage. Or, uh, I've never for... played. Di- I've never played Dungeon World. Oh, not Dungeon oh really? World. No, hmm. still no. Oh. Uh, I, I hate. Um, damn it. Okay, don't tell anybody. But I love Dungeon World. Yes. But I, I'm supposed to say that I hate it. Our, our <laughs> listeners will love you for that. We'll edit that out. Be your own man. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I really. Like we edit stuff. Be really. my own work, man. Yeah, damn, you can I'm like it if you like it. I'm always my own man. I'm sitting there here in rainbow colored tights because pride. Yeah, I had to bring that up. I'm actually <laughs> really happy about that. It's so. a big what? day. It is a big day. It was a big day. See, I actually so do give enough. a shit about things, Internet. <laughs> That's a lie. Careful, you're going to ruin your carefully crafted curmudgeonly uh, <laughs> image. Ingrid <laughs> uh, just pulled a Gruber? What is that? A, <laughs> I don't understand that reference. You just pulled a, a what? I just pulled a Gruber. A Gruber? What the fuck is a Gruber? Does that mean I claim to be simple thieves when I'm actually a terrorist, when I'm actually just a thief? I don't, I don't even get the reference. I'm confused. I don't right, know. Right, that was, that was the move in Die Hard, Hans Gruber. That was his whole thing. Was Hans no, no, I'm, oh, a, I'm a terrorist. I'm an exceptional oh, wait, thief. No, I'm actually just stealing money. It was like, I claim <laughs> to be committing a far worse crime, because that's the way to get away with it. And that was the line. I am an exceptional thief. Yeah. <laughs> The internet doesn't know. I'm sorry. I googled it and it didn't work. No. Um, should we uh, go on? Start with the emails. We got the the opening email. Do you want to? Since you're our guest of honor, do you want to read the first email? Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. You did give me a script. I did. <laughs> Thank you, Sut. Things uh, to I do. do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this sort of goes on for a long time, huh? Well, I'm, I'm using a different font and I'm and I'm doing it larger so it's easier to read. Yeah, what? this, this is the like first the one here today. I'm just gonna tell you. I, yeah, I did also put a note. <laughs> I also put a note on here to say, "said Kimmy, don't be late." I was the first one here today. I was very on time. I was early. All right, um, all right. So let me do this uh, first okay. email. HJRP fifteen dash o two eight p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Kimmy, don't be late. Yeah, I was here on time. She was first. Hold on. Okay. The email is Backlog Nuggets from Weasel Creature. Woo-hoo. Interesting choice of name there. Slink. Slink. I don't know what that word is. Slant. Slink. 
Slantha. Slantha? Yeah, Slantha. 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 Depends on It's where Celtic. Yes. It's a toast. Oh, oh good grief. If you were in a it's reenactor, like, Skull, like or... cool people, then you'd know. Did you say uh, Slantha? Slantha. Yeah, if you're in Mexico, it's cilantro. It's a spice you put on your tacos. <laughs> okay. Cilantro to stew in the brew crew. <laughs> there you both go. of which are misspelled. It's, it's I've cool. been steadily working my way through the voluminous backlog and am halfway through season nine. When did Stork eat corn? Ooh. I, all the time. It's good for the... Oh, never mind. Ooh. Yeah, well, that's what I would think. I wouldn't think there was just like one day. No, no, no. You know, because it just moves through your system like a, like a Ferrari through on the highway. Yeah, it's basically liquid plumber for your lower intestine. Yeah. What? Oh, no, it's, it's great. So anyway... No. No, Fudging mm-hmm. dice has been a common topic this season, yep. and I yep. had been planning on sending an email with a different take on it than had been brought up when you read an email by Tom the Pedantic. He mentioned that he's been known to fudge dice in favor of the villains, and then, Ooh. well, I'm going to get semantic, thanks to Tom the Pedantic. I hope this doesn't make you frantic. <laughs> yeah. You could write right. Hogwarts songs, it's amazing. Yeah, keep your day job. <laughs> Stu said Tom was advocating fudging dice against the players. No, 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 exclamation point. He was fudging dice against the characters involved in order to make the better experience for the players. Mm -hmm. Someone from the chat room then apparently commented, why roll dice at all then? Why? I'll tell you. To make a better experience for the players. As GMs, we try to make our encounters challenging, exciting, and filled with tension, but ultimately winnable. I bring up my case that, as I previously mentioned, I had been planning on sending an email about to begin with. In my Iron Kingdoms game, the party was entering their big encounter with the big bad guys, who, had, who they have been tracking down for multiple sessions, and who had been a thorn in the party's side. I designed an encounter that should have been tough, but winnable hopefully with a character or two rolling on the injury table. Well, I was storking my rolls left and right, and the party was mowing through the mooks with ease. The outcome was a foregone conclusion, and only one character had taken any damage, the guy who charged into the thick of it. So, I fudged a couple of dice rolls to get a couple of hits in on the PCs. Give them a bit of fear. Make this finale seem more worth it. Why roll the dice if you're going to fudge? Fudging is not something that should be done often, but when the GM rolls dice, well, when the GM's dice rolls, sorry, are making something that should be an epic game come out flaccid, and I know flaccid, that's what he said. I didn't say that. Okay, that's a parenthetical in his email. All right, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to yeah. say that um, maybe. Yeah, might be a little bit oh. of untruth there. Oh, okay. No, wait, wait, no, no, look. <laughs> Right, it's right. You you can find it there. Screen yeah. somebody <laughs> screenshot it, blow it up. Yeah, I'll pay okay. you. All right. Uh, damn it! It's right after flaccid. Yeah, flaccid. That's where yeah, you left right, off. Flaccid. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not good at finding the word flaccid. <laughs> it, it, come on, it's flaccid reflux. Oh. Why roll the dice if you're going to fudge? 
Fudging is not something that should be done often, but when the GM's dice rolls are making something that should be an epic come out flaccid, well, fudge them against the characters, but still in favor of the players. The victory was theirs. I wouldn't also alter the dice so much as to change that. Had the one-sided domination been due to the party's well-thought-out plan and execution, I wouldn't have worried about it as much and given them their domination victory. But this wasn't the case. Now, take a drink. Okay. Woohoo! Yes. Okay. I don't know if that's a stage direction or also in the email, but it's just a good idea. Yeah, it's always. Oh, it's always yeah, great. yeah. Mm-hmm. Still loving the show, so keep up the good work! Exclamation point. I'm sorry, I could have done a better read on that. I'm hoping to actually game with some of you at some point. Now back to the feedback full of backlog. Brian, aka Wheel Cre- Weasel Creature. Thank Damn you, Brian. It. It's the Weasel Creature, Charlie. Weasel. <laughs> I'm so glad I printed that out because that was just a brilliant read. I like that he delineates between the characters and yeah. the players. And I think that's an important um, distinction to make. Um, there was a combat we did recently, which you haven't heard yet. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> on our actual play where... It was it was very much life or death. Those of you who follow me on Instagram were like, "This might be the last picture of this character." Like it got really close. Um, no spoilers. I won't tell you how, what happened. Um, but I, you guys got your ass whooped. Is what happened. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, but not um, spoiler alert. Not completely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's definitely an awesome thing that happens in a game when your character is actually in danger of dying. Oh yeah. So if you always feel cush, you always feel like, hey, the, di- the you know the DM Stu's not going to let my character die. Then you have fun and it's fine. But there's this investment that you have that appears when your character is actually in danger of dying and maybe down to three hit points. Not that I know how that is in the re- last few days, but th- that just really like ignites passion about a game. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Uh, you know, I think that's that's a, like a neat thing to to kind of bring up is like the fact that you're rolling against characters, you're not necessarily necessarily rolling against the players. So you can be a GM and roll the you know the hell out of something and be like getting great rolls, but still not be rolling against the players, and they can still have a great time. All right, show of hands, all of us our GMs here. How many of us have fudged die rolls? Show of hands. We all have, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Right? No, did you notice how my hand didn't go up? (laughs) No, I can't see the pussy's hand from here. I don't. Four-fifths of us have fudged our rules at some point. Okay. So so you don't. So so why don't you? Yeah. Why aren't you cool? Because he's angry. Oh, because I like my players. I don't hate them. (laughs) Well, sometimes fudging is... I fudge to not kill somebody. Sometimes, what? Once. I, I I don't fudge very often. It's ve- it's very rare now. In fact, yeah. the way I've been the way I've been running the game recently is my dice are shielded, but f- all from the player who's sitting to my right, which is usually Bill, but in the last game was Dave. Dave, and he can see my dice, and and I will like like oh look, I got a nineteen and a twenty, and I'll and he'll look down and he'll see them. So yeah. I use him as a witness. So um, my question, yeah, your players don't trust you like if you rolled your dice behind the screen and said i rolled a 20 they wouldn't believe you no they probably would they probably would i I think um but i have in the past there have been times when i have when there's been a fight 
<clears throat> and it's been, and I would have killed a character, not in D and D, because in fifth edition D and D, it's nearly impossible to kill characters. Um, Bullshit. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> oh, I think you proved start, that, that okay, was if, wrong unless you, last Monday. Unless, unless unless your monsters are coup de grawing them, which no, I, no, I'm just really good at D and D. I'm talking about like the death roll mechanic. Because the death roll mechanic is is weighted in favor of not dying. He's calling yes. you out, Stu. Yes. No, I, I totally admit that. It is weighted in favor of not dying because, well, I mean... They're heroic the players characters. are supposed to win D&D. Right. But, but that doesn't stop me! <laughs> <laughs> Murder! No, I am. I'm really good. I win all the time. <laughs> Oh my god, I love you, angry. But but I um when I when I'm running GURPS, mm-hmm. there have been several times when someone takes a shot and I ignore a critical success, an attack, an attack roll. GURPS is brutal because that way. if it if it had it especially if it's firearms against un- unarmored people, mm-hmm. you can kill them. I had a bow and arrow and I took out Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shot to the eye. I aimed. Hey, you That's can realistic. do it. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. But uh, but it, I in this in the game that we're, I'm running right now, I haven't fudged any die rolls, and I don't think I ever will because I don't think I need to because it's so hard to kill the characters anyway. The chances <laughs> of, of me actually of a character dying in an undramatic way is almost impossible. Right. I, I cannot kill a character with a kobold. Well, and like two-thirds of the party is ready to die for Grumsh at any moment, gloriously. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So there so, will be yeah. no meaningless death, right? <laughs> I, I think the... Uh... Unless it's by dysentery. Uh. <laughs> well, can I, can I ask a question, then? Yeah. Uh-oh. If you're absolutely terrified to kill a character, why do you keep writing in life-or-death situations into your game? Isn't that kind of stupid? Well, I'm not, I, I'm not <laughs> terrified of killing a character. No, he's really it not. Sounds like you are. No, no he's not. I, I'm not. I, I just if you fudge to save a character's life, it's like I think what Gina said that. Do you Gina not say that. Pardon? Yeah. Pardon? Gina what said that. Student. Yeah. And I actually regret it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I do. It's I. I actually. I think the example he gives of fudging to make something a little more epic or exciting rather than boring is a better example than the the time I remember fudging was to not. Uh, kill a character, and I wish I did, because yeah, it it would have been better. Yeah, I've never fudged dice to spare a character's life. I fudged it when I realized that my um, calculations were wrong when I'd created the encounter, when yeah. something was overpowered or underpowered, or there was some sort of mechanic that was off that was going to affect not necessarily the outcome but the enjoyment of the encounter. Yeah. Whether it was like, I, oh, this is so overpowered, like, and it wasn't necessarily an intent, like it was simply a mechanical error on my part, creating the characters. Um, so, but let me ask you a question. You, so you locked the characters in a room that they couldn't escape from, and they were forced to take this encounter or die. <laughs> Sometimes. Correct. I think... No, no, I mean, in this particular encounter that you're talking about, where something was mechanically off, mm-hmm. the characters could not escape. They were imprisoned and had to deal with the encounter in only the way you had decided. I think actually, yes. Um, there was, it was actually... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind kind of a dick move. I I know. But but honestly, angry. I mean, have you ever seen characters run away from a combat? 
Once yes, they get I against, have. okay. Yes. Well, we most run of, from a combat. Well, that's only because I'm the one that leads it. But most of the time, people <laughs> sit around and they stay there to the bitter end. Or they're a wizard what? and they go down Until a hall the with a sword. Time, there's a, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Until the third time, there's a bitter end. Then they start to learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the in the last in, in our our last session, like half the party ran away. Yeah. Here's three of here's the three of the six characters ran away. Not me. <laughs> Die for Grumsh. Die for Grumsh. This is my my two part question on fudging. Okay. Number one, if you told a char- a, the player after the game that you fudged the dice to keep the character alive, that was by rights by the way the dice had fallen dead, how would that player feel? That's why. You would you ever anything. tell that player? No. No. No, I, probably no. So you are already lying to your player. Well, it depends, yeah. on, depends on the player too. I, I know, well, I know, min maxers who would have been relieved that you said. Okay, well, no, hold, hold on a second. I but, lie to the players all the time. Yeah, I will roll dice when there's nothing going on yeah. in a metagame situation <laughs> to get the them to thing. wonder what I'm rolling for. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, then you wonder why your players don't trust you when you say I rolled a twenty behind the screen because you just admitted <laughs> you constantly lie to your players. No, but we don't question that. Although we probably should now that. It's, Angry mentions that. Well, I mean, I mean, let me ask you a question. If if you found out that your victory was only because he had fudged to die to keep one of you alive, how does that victory feel now? No, oh, yeah, that's awful. I would, and that's one of the reasons I think if you do it because you've, yeah. re, you know, you've discovered an error you've made or a calculation or whatever the hell happened is something that you should never say to any of your players, regardless of how much you trust them, because it does kind of make that victory hollow. Right. So, and right. it should really only be done if you have, as a GM, have made an error. At least I think so. Um, the one in... But w- see... Go ahead. But see, if you have made an error, mm-hmm. and you came out to the players and said, guys, I fucked up the encounter balance here, and I know it. This is gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna go ahead and just ignore this crit. Because I imbalance the encounter badly. The players will be okay with that. In general, they'll say, okay, you know, it happens, usually. I I know, because I've actually done that. I've saved my players' lives from encounters that I have fucked up badly. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I used to run third edition. Every (laughs) other week, you fucked up an encounter badly, and you were going to murder your players. (laughs) Right. Okay. But the, the question is, like, that's okay. So my big question with fudging is... Whenever you fudge a die roll, the first question you should ask is, would my players be okay if I admitted this to them? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then maybe you're not really serving your players' best interests. Maybe you're robbing them of something and you just don't realize it. That's true. Maybe part of it is they want to earn their victories or mm, some of them off. some of them want to earn their victories but a lot yeah. of them don't a lot of some them of us are win. willing to die <laughs> for grumsh and some you, of us are not. Do you roll in the open angry? Damn straight I do. Nice. And you know what? Though sometimes I don't. Sometimes <laughs> I do make the decision to hide the die roll specifically because the number that comes up on the die will give something away. Right. But right. because my players know that 90% of my dice are rolled in the open and I do not ever lie about the die rolls, they trust me. Yeah. So okay. if, if, if I roll that stealth check behind the screen so they don't know what's sneaking up on them, you know, they know about it. They know I'm being honest. Yeah. I think it also depends on whether you're running a campaign or whether you're doing a one-shot. And I know we've talked about this in previous episodes. If you're doing, like, a one-shot at a convention, which a lot of us do, um, 
it sucks to die 10 minutes into a four hour time slot. So yeah. I feel like I, I do fudge die, die rolls. I don't know if I've ever actually done it during a campaign, but I do it more during one shots at a convention simply because nobody wants to die, you know, 10 minutes into there. And generally it hasn't been 10 minutes, but I'm, that's hyperbole, but in the mm-hmm. middle of a, of, of a one hour into a one a four hour. hour yeah, shot, exactly. Right? Yeah. So I feel like that's well, when I get, that 100. yeah. And I so. feel like that's no, no, okay. Um, I feel like that's when I fudge die rolls more because you mm-hmm. want to keep things going and flowing mm-hmm. and your characters, your, your, I'm sorry, you're not your characters, your players don't have a chance to re-roll a new character. They signed up to play a four-hour game. Exactly. So if I feel die, like that's when it happens the most. Yeah. If they die epically three and a half hours, three hours in, that's one thing. Great. But yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I ran a, what was, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was in, uh, it was in GURPS and... Uh, Will it was here? It was it was the, the my birthday oh, yeah. mini oh, yeah. game con, mm-hmm. and Will H was playing a character, <clears throat> and he got shot, and I rolled a crit, and it, it was like in the first forty minutes of of the game, mm-hmm. and it, it was with a rifle, which was like I don't know sixty six damage would have mm-hmm. killed him. <laughs> like oh, yeah. no, that ain't happening. It's just an ordinary <laughs> hit. <laughs> But I, I think so too, and I don't regret doing that because yeah, I would no. kill this character, and it's like, okay, well, sorry, I know you're here, but yeah, go cool your heels, heels for three hours, yeah. or here play another character, which I had not made, but yeah, and I think that's an important important distinction to make. I know a lot of us we run one shots more often than normal people because we do cons pretty often, um, but it's always I'm always excited actually a little bit in a campaign if I'm about to die. Because I'm like, oh, what will be the next character that I roll? How will it get in, you know, involved in the party? There's a lot of cool things about starting a new character. Um, but in a one-shot, you don't have the opportunity. So it's kind of like, oh, you're dead. Go yeah. to the bar and we'll see you later. Which yeah. is also a great opportunity. But not necessarily what I'm going to a right. game con for. Well, yeah. no, actually, that's what I go to a game con for. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> well, and, and that kind of sort of tangentially circles back around to something Brian was saying. Because I think the uh, the other side of that is, you know, Brian was talking about, or Weasel Creature, whatever, uh, was talking about, you know, fudging dice against the characters to make a more exciting experience for the players. And then I asked the same question. It's like, so let's say you're, you're in that Iron Kingdoms game, and you do have to roll on the injury table because of something that happened in this battle that you had otherwise decisively won through great luck. Um, and then the GM reveals it, says, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, that injury you had to take that you have to sit with, uh, I fudged that. How's mm. that player going to walk away? You know, I mean, yeah, you can say, oh, I made the battle more exciting and epic because it was more threatening. But I think that GMs actually overvalue the threat and fear of combat when, you know, every once in a while, it actually feels good when you go up against the big bad bad, bad guy and the stars align, everybody does the <laughs> right thing, all of the ro- die rolls come out perfectly, and you just decisively decapitate this guy. Yeah. He's no mere hedge That's- mage, but then you stab him with a rhino. Right. Well, yeah. Exactly. We, yeah. The, the the players did that to the first, <laughs> the first mage character I uh, put up against, put them up against who could cast a, a third level spell. It was epic. And he had fireball, and he got he got the last on the initiative. Yeah. And he was dead before he got to take his turn. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mostly because well, we mean, charged him like, with a rhino and impaled him. Because now you guys are talking about that experience and laughing about. Oh, that absolutely, experience. yeah. And and the players, they they were like, "Oh my god, this guy was going to be a badass, and we just <laughs> tore through him." Yeah. How awesome are we? Yeah. Right. I mean, do you really want to <laughs> rob that from your players too? No, no, I, fair, I don't the, think so. To be fair, the rhino was awesome. Shut up. Yeah, it was the rhino. <laughs> we were awesome. We <clears throat> drove the, or I'm sorry, rode the rhino. <laughs> it was important. And it, the rhino's an NPC, if I'm not mistaken, right? So really, yeah. you had an NPC kill an NPC. <laughs> so how no, awesome is control, that? They're angry. controlling the we NPC. Control okay, it's like fine. A I guess you're right, man. <laughs> no, I, I know. I definitely see what you're saying. I think there's a balance between both, to be completely honest. I think there's... You know, you don't want your characters to be walking through every encounter feeling, hey, we're badasses, you know, nothing's, you know, going to fear us. Yeah. But there's definitely also that moment where you're like, really like, oh shit, this guy can get spells That's the that whole we thing. may not I mean, be ready for. I mean, some GMs over overemphasize the fact that every fight has to be that life and death moment. Yeah, I absolutely no, agree with you there. However, like in our our very last session... I finally had a combat with the players where the players suddenly came to the realization, oh, fuck, we may not win this fight. And that's the first time. And there was no fudging happening at all. No. Um, It's just you guys were in a shit tactical situation. um, And we decided to stay in character, which was very good of us. and, And you also... When the when the when the mage let off his fireball, almost all of you except for one character failed your deck save. Oh yeah! I was so fine. suddenly everyone was like down a, n- a lot of hit points, like, like right off the bat. Down to three. And then NPCs like retainers were dead, and horses were dead. Wow! And it it, it was like just <laughs> from that one thing, and then and then their players are like, and then they're seeing how much damage the other bad guys are doing, and they're like. I think it was yeah. Bill. Bill's character or Shit got real. Or Tyler's character said, "Get out of here." Yeah. And basically, three of the orcs stayed to hold them off while everyone else ran yeah. away. And then orcs. Awesome. But then at the last moment, they turned the turned the turned the. I don't want to spoil it, but don't spoil it. Don't I think, talk. You, I think you might have. Shit I mean, the orcs down. are fearless and amazing, and the humans ran. And I won't tell you who survived. But I mean, but I, I think that. When when they when the players actually had that realization in their gut, we may not win this fight. Like when we got down to one or three yeah. points. When yeah, when when one of the characters is down and then healed and back up and down and healed and back up and down and healed and back up and and the healer goes, that's all I got. Well, and we don't really have a healer. Like I'd like to point out that we don't really have a healer. Well, well, so we don't have a lot of heals. So seems when to me they like happen, two, they're a big point. Yeah, Check. but uh, I mean, uh, but that was. That that was a moment I think, and ever after the after the session, everyone was like, "Okay, yeah, that was an awesome fight." It was pretty cool. Like, no, it was, absolutely. Yeah. And because it finally, it was like there was actual uncertainty. Yeah. Which there had not ever been in in any of the other sessions, and this is fourteen sessions into yeah. the game, and not for lack of your trying. Well, I'm a sh- I'm a shit tactician, <laughs> tactician, and I know that. Well, and we're also like fucking orcs. Right. Which have a, like really high IC and all these things, and we won't bore you with the details. Go so listen to the is, actual play. Is uh, dice fudging worse than ignoring rules or house ruling things that that Ooh. would make things more effective for your character, but then don't? Because I, I get that. Because in a way, fudging dice is a house rule. Mm. Just choosing to ignore well, it's, things. Well, it's making a decision on the fly about something or. 
I'm just wondering if you ever make a decision about something else that's gamer rule related. Yeah, yeah I always I always ignore encumbrance. Most people do. Or what is that? Resources. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I I think there's a difference between yeah. ignoring a set of the rules and uh, fabricating. Even though I'm not opposed to fudging dice, I think there is a there is a difference between between ignoring a, a, a set oh, of rules okay. or hand waving it and and uh, and fucking with the randomizer. Gotcha. Hey, I was on mute. Oh. I didn't realize that I had fucked my phone. I thought the comet hit the, the East Coast or something. I the conversation from running away from what Stu was saying. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stu absolutely proved my point about how terrible fudging is. How so? Oh. Well done. That that whole battle with the mage and the orcs and all that, you know, bullshit about you're telling me about your game that I kind of phased out on. <laughs> whatever. But, okay. First of all, what that that whole thing... First of all, you admit that that fight wasn't fudged. No. That no, was no. a combination of a crappy tactical situation and the dice. Mm -hmm. And the dice working against you. And that made the game better. Okay? Yeah. And what that really said... Like, imagine, right. Stu... I, okay. What I'm about to say is going to sound like me criticizing your GMing skills. What? Okay. And it is. We've, we've never heard that from you. Where's your oh my? No, no. Okay. But no, no. I'm being serious here. I do not want to be like, Stu, you're a bad GM. And I, I don't want it to come off that way because I don't believe that for a second. He's not. Honestly, I think you're actually a pretty good GM. Oh, you know, you're not pretty mean, good. <laughs> pretty good, Stu. That's a great compliment. For it being is. Great. It is a high but, praise. Good. Okay. So here's the thing. You identified that there's this problem in 5th edition where you cannot kill the PCs. The PCs do not feel like they're in danger. Right. Okay? Now, you could sit there and you could start fudging die rolls over and over again to make the combats more dangerous. But what you just did was you actually managed to build a combat that did threaten the PCs. It was genuinely partly, dangerous. Yeah. Partly through random chance, of course, right. but also partly <laughs> through a shitty tactical situation. So if I were a GM and I was frustrated with the fact that I couldn't put my characters in danger, I would actually sit and think really long and hard about all the things I did in that encounter and say, what were those elements that maybe I could up my game? Maybe that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to challenge my PCs more. Maybe I do need to be more tactical or maybe I do need, maybe they just need higher difficulty creatures or maybe we need to do more area effects or maybe I need to surprise them more. What did I do in that situation that makes me a better GM? Well, if you were sitting there fudging the die rolls to make the game more dangerous the whole time, you would miss out on all those learning opportunities while at the same time running the risk that one day your players are going to realize what you're doing and then everything you've done for them is going to be suspect because now they're like, well, he just nails us for damage whenever he wants because he wants to make the game feel dangerous, but then we're not in control. Our decisions don't matter and the dice don't matter. It's all whatever Stu says. I took damage because Stu said I take damage. He wanted to hurt me. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not getting on you, but this is what I'm saying is right. if you fall back on that crutch of I'm going to fudge my game to make the characters feel more in control, you're relying on that as a crutch and you're hurting your own GMing skills. 
Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I do think that part of it too is as a group, we are excellent at not metagaming. And I think we put a lot more effort into that than a lot of groups do, at least in my experience. Like we knew we were in a shitty tactical situation and we chose because we knew our characters would not be like in the mindset to remedy that. We did not change um, our positioning, things like that. Like a lot of times when you throw a combat at players, they'll be like, oh, you know, we uh, flank this person and things like that. Mm -hmm. We specifically choose not to do that. So we stayed and fought in an incredibly shitty tactical situation. Hold on a second. Okay. So you were just telling me that you're a bunch of orcs who are awesome in fight and fights and fight for the honor of Grouch. And so you feel whatever. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. And so you feel <laughs> I care very, very The deep. best way to portray these warrior characters of a warrior god is to ignore good tactics because, <laughs> oh, now we're using the rules. Well, no, no, not necessarily <laughs> ignoring. Like, we were caught completely off guard, which is one of the things you mentioned that I really kind of, like, identified with. You said, you know, they were ambushed, I think is what you you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And we really were. We were in a situation where we ne- we weren't necessarily going to be able to, when we were ambushed and caught off guard by these elementals, we weren't necessarily going to be able to then, okay, we're all going to pull together and, you know, communicate together somehow in this fighting situation to all focus on this one enemy. So it Isn't was a... That- isn't that what military teams do? I mean, that's part of what they're trained to do. Absolutely. Isn't that but, what you're... <laughs> but we were also are not a group of orcs who are trained together. We have military expertise, but we are also trained separately, and we've like recently come together for this particular mission. But it's not like we're all from the same like legion of warriors or something, so we would have trained together. So I feel like it was more realistic in some ways for us to... You know, this guy's like two feet from me. I'm going to fight him and protect myself and protect the people around me rather than, okay, let's metagame a little bit and come up with this magical strategy that we'd all somehow know to focus on this one bad guy. Which I feel like we've, you know, as players, you know, players fall into that sometimes, knowing the whole situation. So that you feel your orc warriors are tactically more stupid than you are as players. Absolutely. Like, I well, know that sounds awful, but not necessarily from a tactical standpoint, but they don't see you know, the whole board. There's a... Why there, not? You've got, you've got... There's one character <laughs> who's sworn to protect another character as mm-hmm. well. And that, and, and that causes that character to make decisions that... For the, whoa, 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 Hold on. That's not metagame. Whoa, I knocked my microphone out. That's oh, not right. metagame. <laughs> not at all. That's no, making no. a decision based on the character's motivations. Uh, right. Absolutely. If I yeah. know what the best tactics are, but the best tactics are also not what I value the most, and I choose to ignore that, that's not metagaming. No, that's, that's the opposite a of decision based on the character. Right, and right. that's okay. what I'm saying, is that a lot of well, us made choices based on that so to avoid metagaming, where if okay, we were so metagaming... Under- Go ahead. All right, I understand. You don't know what the word metagame means. (laughs) No, No, metagaming is like when, as a player, I know what the best strategy is, and then I go for that, even though my character doesn't necessarily know what's happening. So, as a character, like we were, you know, there were a bunch of us fighting. Some of the humans, because they were weak and pathetic, Mm -hmm. ran away, and um, Mm -hmm. the orcs stayed and fought. And I right. feel like, I'm sorry, I'm totally giving spoilers. I'm sorry if you haven't <laughs> listened to the actual play yet. But these elementals appeared all around us. And we were each kind of like taking on the one that was near us because 
that's what you do. If someone starts banging on you, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to ignore you so I can run, you know, six squares to fight this other guy because that's the tactical, you know, in D&D. Yeah. No, so no, I understand. Soldiers never use tactics. No, yeah. They, they just respond to the most immediate threat in front of them. They never work as a team. When they're wailing on you, I mean, I don't know. Well, for, for us, it seemed like the most character-appropriate thing. Right, no, no. And I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is that you fell back on this word metagaming. Right. And that is a bullshit word. Okay, the <laughs> word metagaming is meaningless to begin with. Oh, no, no, okay? no. It's this Wait, meaningless why? bullshit word. It's an elitist word. It's a word that players use to judge the actions of other players. Okay, uh, let me tell you what metagaming means. Okay. Metagaming means a player did something I don't agree with. We're not going to use any other emails, Stu. It is actually the the same as the word railroading. The word railroading means a DM did something I don't agree with. No way! Railroading and metagaming are bullshit words. They're like calling someone a bitch. No! Okay, I agree with you with the word bitch. Like, that one sucks. No, no, it's just, it's a word. It's just a word you you use to say hurtful things. Yes. Oh, you're a DM, and I didn't like that, so you're railroading. You're a player, and I didn't like that. You're metagaming. And somehow now well, players have... Okay, now hold on a second. No, 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 metaga- no. Metagaming does not necessarily have a negative connotation to it. In fact, and I just, I, I've been in an email exchange because Bill's character in our game may leave the game, and he may, may, may make a new character. Yeah. So I told him, I said, we need to have a metagame conversation with another character in the group or another player in the group, to say, okay, here's how the situation between the characters is evolving. Are we all okay with how this situation may Mm -hmm. end up, which may end up with PC-on-PC combat? But I want to talk to the players first and see, hey, well, yeah, spoilers for everybody because this hasn't even happened. But no, no, and I'll totally agree with that. That is an accurate definition of metagame. That's not how people use it, though. That's not like how Gina was just using it. Okay, Gina was just using that it. Was that, was that was probably Kimmy. That was Kimmy. Yeah, oh, that was shit, Kimmy. I'm sorry. sorry. It's okay. What <laughs> the uh, fuck? We I've have both a lot of sexy low voices. Boring, it's okay. Though. Okay, so, but that's not how, how Kimmy was using it now. Kimmy was using it as, I was basing my decisions on story, and that's better than basing my decisions on tactics. Okay, well, I'm not metagaming. <laughs> I agree with you, but there's 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 <laughs> often times when instead of basing a, a decision on tactics, and a warrior would make sound tactical decisions, right. instead of basing it on the tactics of the situation, you base mm-hmm. it on the game mechanic idiosyncrasies, which may have nothing to do with sound tactics. Right. Do you well, know what I'm saying? Flanking, though, is not. Okay, a you're game right. Yes, in that sense, you're right. Yeah. Positioning right. is not a game mechanic idiosyncrasy. Right. In theory, every game mechanic idiosyncrasy represents something to the characters in the world. Even when you get down to, oh, that guy's a minion, he's only got one hit point. Well, right. there is something about that creature in the world that makes him a one hit point minion. His crappy training, his crappy equipment, whatever. And a skilled combatant, one of the skills you learn in a fight is how to read opponents. So identifying a minion, as fourth edition called them, was not metagaming. It was just it was it was a way of you translating into what you understand, what the characters would understand about the real world situation they were in. Maybe I don't that's know. I not feel like that's true. Yeah, I feel like that depends on the it's specific intent. situation. Yeah, yeah. I think specifically intent, with but... specifically with fourth edition, I think there were some idiosyncrasies in the game that did not translate to real world tactics. Yeah, like okay. sliding, okay. 
and like these everything. weird the, the the whole controller class in general i think was a, this this weird sort of meta game subclass <laughs> of you're afraid to use the word now <laughs> no i, I I, it, Sorry. Is, it, it, it was. It was like, okay, we've created the board game that is 4th edition D&D combat. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and here's the controller class that we're going to use, and this is the the, the class that's going to fuck with all of the weird rules that we've come up with for movement. And, but, and just, but that character uses magic, and I he knows how controller. his magic works. He knows that somehow, inexplicably, yeah. he can slide creatures wherever he wants. <laughs> And he should sure. make decisions based on that. But if, say, there's an area effect spell, and mm-hmm. you can say in game that after you know combat's going on, this spell is being cast, I can kind of see what the range of the spell is. But if 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 I make a decision based on Oh, I know I'm one hex or I'm one square out of the range. Of there's, the, a, yeah, there's a five hex yeah. radius for fireball. Wait, do I so. get, yeah. Is there an opportunity <laughs> attack if I move? You know, it's like versus I'm going to get foe and, uh, you know, opportunity attack. You know, and in, our, in our last game, to the player's credit, they said, this is how we would be traveling through this ravine. Mm-hmm. They didn't think about yeah. the fact that we were just about to start combat, and no, I just We thought out. about it, but we chose to right. be like, this well, is how that, we're going. I drew out on a, on a map. Here's the map. You guys tell me how you're approaching this ravine. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, everyone, every player <laughs> on the, at the table knows there's going to be a combat. Right. But, instead, but they say, oh, no, no, not, not one player, not even Bruce, yeah. <laughs> said, well, we shouldn't bunch up. <laughs> They're like, no, this is how we would be traveling. Yeah, which ne- wouldn't which- necessarily be the smartest move, but <laughs> I'll, I'll bet you the next time you guys don't travel that way. All though. the time. I'm just relieved that Angry's giving me permission now to use as a tactic. All right, everybody, keep hitting him so he burns up his bennies. That's going to be great <laughs> because because apparently I'm not metagaming. Apparently that is a fake term that the, yeah. that the GM is doing something I don't. So burn up your bennies. Go go. Okay. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. Do you, do you, have, a, do you have a retraction to make? 100%. I agree with you 100%. Bennies are bullshit. <laughs> but it's a legitimate tactic in Savage Worlds. Yeah, sure it is. If you're playing sure that game. Well, that's a, they, they came up with bennies as a way to, to kind of shore up an inferior combat system. Well, also, yeah, it's super Benny, fun. If you take a doctor with a flashlight and rubber gloves to show you where Benny's came from. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do Benny's have- are bullshit, and yes, you should totally metagame <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so there's... Oh, okay, so there are times when it's all right, and you can uh, actually uh, use the word. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> just, just checking. Yes. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to go on to the next email, because we're an hour in. Was that the fucking first email? Huh? Yeah, we're, we're, so, we're supposed to cover the whole show. No. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on to the second one. We've got like six pages left. Uh, oh God! No, no, this is an eleven pages. I think. Oh eight fuck! Or, uh, it printed twelve pages for me. Oh man! Email from John. Oh, Double sided now. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Uh, fuck trees. That's not confusing. Um, hello, douchebags. I was just listening to one of your podcasts and the subject of do all campaigns have to have an epic ending was discussed as a game master i am guilty as charged or at least i was after many years of being a gm and a player campaigns ended due to the length of time it takes at least for our group besides the every now and then 
TPK, most of our games fell apart after a year or so. So after two, a two-year stoppage from GMing, it was my turn to run a game. I kicked around several ideas for my adventure. One was Kelly's Heroes was on the... One day, Kelly's Heroes was on television. Well, you can guess what my adventure was about. Rockford Files. Uh, the players were... Oh, James were, <laughs> Yeah. The players were soldiers in the, uh, the Greyhawk Wars, and after being in combat for six game sessions, the war-weary players were getting disgruntled with being on the front lines. That's when I dropped the slimy human spy with a bag full of gold bars in their lap. The rest was is history. It took a, about another 14 to 15 game sessions to get the gold from the bank and to have the players riding into the sunset with a wagon full of gold just as the army of Greyhawk arrived in town. It took a little over five months. All of the players had a great time. The next adventure I will be running, uh, when it is my turn to run, will be based off the movie Force 10 from Navarone. Um, great movie. Not all adventures have to be epic. Just a bunch of adventures, adventurers trying to get by. P.S. Three Floyds Brewing was bought up being brought. from brought was brought up being from northern indiana everyone who drinks knows this fine brew uh for the last few years they have been voted among the top 10 microbrewers in the world yes in the world oh yeah they're uh big gaming nerds on their american pale ale alpha king they have a d20 on the label nice. they also released yeah. a, a party D D module voyage of the stag party that's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. With a uh, local band uh, released a fantasy-themed seven-inch single, oh, hipsters, with the module. Uh, if you can get any of this brew out there on the West Coast, it's a must-get. Drink one, wait, drink seven for me. And he gives me the... <laughs> Gina, Gina, you're the local brew three mistress. Floyds. I, I have not, not had three Floyds. I have heard of three Floyds because they Floyds. are uh, reportedly very good. I think they have a Scottish ale called... Robert the Bruce, which is kind of awesome. Robert the Bruce. So this this wasn't yeah. really a question. This was just well, a it's kind of a uh, n not really, but it's it's the public service amount announcement. Making, all campaigns have making, to have an e making every campaign the the world sh yeah. shaking, world saving yeah. story, yeah. and it doesn't always have to be. No, I think that depends on your players. Like and I think there's some players who are cool with like just being like the normal person who's tr fighting against you know the local thieves yep. or whatever. But I think, you know, when people really invest a lot of time, they kind of want to feel that epicness. Because that's kind of why we play RPGs. Because we aren't super epic in our real lives, and we like to be epic. Oh, speak for yourself. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> He's also pointing out that it's really smart to rip off a cool thing from a fucking awesome 1970s movie. television yeah. series. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Rebrand. Was that a TV show, or was that a... Oh, well, it's been a on movie. TV a lot since okay. we were kids, but yeah, it, it had Don Rickles in it, so it was awesome. Since we were kids? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kelly's Heroes, late 60s, early 70s? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say... Doesn't have her own... I'm not sure about the 70s. year on that one. I, thought, I remember seeing that with my dad oh, on like Saturday so. TV when I was like 12. Like Not Force 10 from Navarone, because that had Harrison Ford in it. No. Right. This was some olden days thing <laughs> with... It was World War Two, right? Yeah, that's all I remember. And a big mountain. Or yeah, something. I don't. That remember. was it. Okay, yeah. there were guns. That's up what the I remember from when I was like twelve. Or I'll Google it later. Something. It'll be fine. Yeah. Any comment there? Angry? Uh, if I comment, I'm going to start a fight. <laughs> Do it. 
Do uh, it. About what? Well, well, Stu, Stu and I had sort of a fight last time I was on, Uh-oh. and it was the only, um, and it was about how much you prep for games. Right. Oh yeah. And uh, in the we resolved that it was not something that we should resolve that night because it would go <laughs> on for far too long. But here is my feeling on it: is that whatever campaign you run should deliver on whatever promise the beginning of your campaign makes. Okay. And so, whenever you start a campaign, you should already know the general shape of the ending of that campaign. Now, I'm not saying you have to know how it's going to end, like all the specific details and everything, but if you promise a campaign, like, uh, I don't know this reference. I don't know Kelly's Heroes, honestly. Uh, isn't it like a, essentially like a heist film? Yeah. Well, it's, the uh, plot of the film is that is that they yeah. they know that there's German there's gold in a German bank, yep. and so they distract the rest of the, the the army to go off and do something, and they go in and they're going to blow up the bank with their tank and yeah. get the gold out. Meanwhile, a German Panzer shows up, and I don't want to spoil the movie, but uh, right. yeah, because it, it, it's only been out since the '60s. So they end up making a deal with a German, and they both blow the t- blow the bank. They both split the gold, and the German goes one way, and the Americans go. And the they other. carve and they carve a swastika in his forehead. No, <gasps> no, oh. Uh, it had uh, Telly Savalas and it had Don Rickles in it, and it's this whole and oh, it had, had no in it. it. Yes, yeah. I've seen it. Stark is our resident historian. <clears throat> oh, okay. Rickles. No, so, no, but but like that movie promised a heist. Yes, so it did. That yes, was, I mean, if you start off the game with an epic, promising an epic heist somewhere in it, then the game really has to deliver that epic heist either successfully or a failure at the end. Did I, I disagree you know? with that, or are you couching the way you're phrasing it? I'm couching the way I'm phrasing okay, it. Okay, right. what, what, what you're I saying really now, s- I don't disagree with at all. No, see, and that's why I said that once we had the fight, that you would, <laughs> you would come over to my side. <laughs> you're both drunk, it's fine. You must, a good GM begins with the end in mind. A, a good GM or a good campaign? Wait, what? Both. If we were to have an argument on this, it would be a semantic argument. Probably. I, think I, I don't think I would. Ca- I don't think I would call it the the end but the scale <laughs> certainly the scale of the game i would say mm-hmm. and but, I've, I, but I, I don't think we're disagreeing and i've started games with no plot in mind at all sure oh, and, so you're gonna, and it's just gonna go wherever it goes and when it peters out it peters out no 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 I, I i gather a plot as the players go along but I, i've started them without a beginning without an actual epic plot thing they were like we're bored you're jamming today okay great and i gathered stuff from their backstories or whatever but I started without an ending in mind, so there right, was no but, nothing to deliver until later but, on. But hold on a second, because at some point in that campaign, you did come up with a story based on their backstories and whatever. At some point, you made a promise to those players that the murderer in the one character's past would eventually be caught, or something like that. I mean, you can start with no end in mind, and then yeah. you're not going to have an end. It's just going to peter out and die. Right. But at some point in that campaign, you are going to make a promise to your players as to what sort of ending you're going to have. And you sure as hell better deliver on that. That's a good point. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I think I think it's important to kind of like say, you know, and reiterate that you can start without an ending, but eventually you need to have one. 
And a, yeah. and as the players play, you kind of make a promise to them, even if it's not like explicit. Like I promise, you're gonna blah blah blah. Like as they play, what? That's my stew voice. Shut up. Um, you get to this point where they get used to the flavor of the game, and they're expecting something at the end that kind of involves that flavor. Um, right. And that's an important, uh, an important a- Again, point. Angry, it's awesome that you've given me permission that if my I've set up the thing that where they can go and attack Saruman, <laughs> and they end up siding with him, and I've failed in giving them the ending that I planned. And uh, it's good. No, that's awesome. That's not no, what he said, though. That's not I, what I'm he said. I'm sorry that you misunderstood me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could speak slower and louder. <laughs> that helps with Star. I said you do not necessarily have to have the ending in mind, but you do have to know what it's shaped like. If yeah. you start the game with Saruman is taking over the world, I've, Saruman sure as hell is going to be involved in that ending. I've had to I've, adapt uh, endings to what the players have done, for sure. But uh, I, gonna, I get what you're saying. But that's that's all I'm saying is you don't have... A campaign doesn't have to have an epic ending, but then don't promise that ending in the beginning. Yeah. If you're going to promise a heist, deliver a heist. And Unless the players, they die beforehand. Right. And if the players decide not to go on the heist, then well, yeah. <laughs> I know, well, then, hold this. on a second. If you're, playing, if you're planning a heist-based <laughs> game, you don't tell your players you're planning a heist, and then the players don't do the heist. That's on you. Yeah. Why are you <laughs> keeping the premise secret from the players? That's true. Maybe it's you like, should give them the opportunity to create the characters to play the game. You're going to run. What? No, I do. I tell them there's gold in the bank, and, and that you know, and they're like, "Well, we don't want to do that. We're going to go kill Nazis instead and carve swastikas in their forehead." <laughs> Guys, I oh. got a new idea for a campaign. Okay. It's going to involve a heist with Nazis. Make characters that will do that. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you die early, because I haven't been fudging die rolls like early in the campaign, so you never actually oh, make it to the end. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just being just, difficult. I admit it. And and Kimmy's, you're drinky. I'm a little drinky. I'm sorry. Yay, drinky. I've been like preparing for Comic Con, so I've had any sugar or alcohol, and, and I've had a little angry, bit of. Uh, you're angry is not. Are you drinking at all? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I've been refilling my skull with this vodka. Oh shit! All right. Out. Wait, your skull? I have actually drank a third of this bottle because all the cranberry juice is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's in like a different well, time zone too. It's like three there. Uh, drunk Tyler is the best Tyler. Yeah, so drunk Tyler I think that's, the, those yeah. are words to look Drunk like. angry is the best angry. Yeah, I drunk I've angry. almost polished up a whole bottle there, of wine. Is there a Q question Q? Or uh, you know, the, there, oh, I've opened up the Q and A thing. So if people who are watching us live have questions, you can put them in, and it will bloop up on my screen, yeah. and then I will uh, read them <laughs> if they're not lame. I'll, I'll read the next up. one just just yeah. to keep yeah. things rolling from yeah. here. Minimaxing is role playing. Yeah. Oh, good. One and second, I just want to call one attention to something that Lokio said in the chat because uh-huh. it's funny. It's a, see, I say that angry, and then they come with blind, lame, Nazi fearing pacifists anyway. <laughs> 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 That's when you red pen their characters and tell them that they didn't follow the rules. <laughs> Wandering damage. Wow. Jail anyway, time. Sorry. Jail, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm also it? trusting the chat room if I get super drinky to like warn me to stop talking because no, that's a great. Oh, that ain't gonna That's a great is. plan, right? They will be like Kimmy plus ten. Keep drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so email from Ryan. Min maxing <laughs> is role playing. Hi yes. again. In season <laughs> six, episode fourteen, everyone seemed to be in agreement that min maxing was a negative trait, and that's such players need to learn how to roleplay instead. 
I disagree with this opinion. Ooh. I believe that min-maxing can be one of the purest forms of role-playing. Oh, boy. Think of it, <laughs> think of it from the perspective of the character. Uh -huh. If your profession is adventurer or mercenary or pirate or whatever, then you know for a fact that your life and livelihood depends on fighting. It makes a lot more sense that you would spend your free time practicing with the sword rather than goofing off down at the swimming hole because you know that one missed attack or blown parry attempt might be your last. My question to you is this. To what extent... Can you, as a player, trust the GM to play fairly and treat the dice as they fall? Boy, this is... Did you write this angry? <laughs> or conversely... <laughs> no, or conversely, how much should a player expect that the GM will cheat and fudge the dice to prevent a PC death or TPK? Because if you can't metagame trust that your GM will intervene to save you, then you owe it to everyone at the table to pull your weight and build an effective character. While it's true that you could roleplay equally well, whether you're the diligent swordsman or happy-go-lucky goof-off, the latter is far more likely to have a game end in a TPK, and everyone will know that it's all your fault. Many modern games sidestep this conundrum by giving you separate resource pools for combat stuff and other stuff. D&D 4E and 5E are both good examples of this, because they force you into having some non-combat skills, no matter how much you min-max. Thanks again. Keep up the excellent podcasting. You all are most entertaining as the folks at System Mastery. You are almost as entertaining as I'd say. I, I, I would say almost. Almost. Yeah. What the fuck yeah. is System wow. Mastery? Ryan Sealorn on the phone. They're uh, yeah. right. podcast war. Right. They're fired. <laughs> We're obviously much right. higher okay. quality. Right. I'm, I'm so he's in? arguing for building an effective character because otherwise. Okay, that's great. If. <laughs> If you are playing D and D, right? If you are playing Call of Cthulhu, fuck you. That's true. Why are you building? Why are you b building a combat monster with two machine gun arms? Look and for a game cult. that's meant to be a game about investigation about yeah. an unwinnable foe. You can min max a librarian. Sure. Yes, well, you can you have can. the greatest yeah. fucking librarian on yeah. the planet, but he better not be able to 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 one punch Cthulhu. He, he wouldn't be. That would be bad min-maxing. A good min-maxer recognizes the skills that are necessary in the game and maximizes those. Right. So in a Call of Cthulhu game, a good min-maxer is the one who maxes out the investigation skills and the weird lore skills and all that other bullshit <laughs> so that he can identify the threats. And, and, they, and they never go insane. I'm sorry, Call of Cthulhu bullshit. <laughs> or and, let's and also the sanity point. Wait, I agree, but uh, <laughs> let's say you're let, let's say you're playing a game where where you know the, the the party are fish out of water. They're like ordinary people left with an in, in an extraordinary situation. So yeah. Let's say a zombie survival game. Okay, then they're dead. Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. No, let's be completely one hundred percent honest here. If a zombie apocalypse broke out right now here, what are our chances of actually surviving it? Or us Almost fish zero. out of water. Almost zero. The same as like a, but, okay, a knight fighting but a dragon. That, Come on. Uh, but uh, are we trying to recreate reality when we play role playing games? No. Okay. We're trying to tell an interesting story. Maybe a compelling story. The then why are you trying to tell a story about fish out of water suddenly developing skills that they had no reason to have? You're not. You oh, no. the, Maybe they're not. No, no, no. Hold on a second. Because okay. when you tell the fish out of water story, the fish out of water is always the fish out of water who has that one weird skill. The one like, oh, yeah, no, I've never been in anything like this. But when I was a kid, I was really heavy into parkour. Okay. <laughs> or some shit like that. And it's always that one 
weird skill that actually helps the fish out of water character or the one unexpected thing that suddenly becomes useful. That's the formula for the fish out of water story. Okay, the well, fish out of water story is not about the character who has I th- no useful skills. I might I might disagree. What is what is the one 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 useful skill that Nemo has? Because that to me is the, the ultimate fish? fish out of water story. Cuteness. <laughs> wait, he wait, has the Nemo one Nemo the fish. Yes. Yeah, finding Nemo. He has his little flipper. <laughs> wait, that to me is the fish out of water story. <laughs> oh my god, you got angry completely off guard. He's like, what? Wait, I it's don't a literal know. fish out of water in my head. Wait. Okay, <laughs> fish out of you know the ocean <laughs> and in a fish tank with a cult that worships <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, what Nemo needed to solve his entire problem was taught to him by all of the characters through through the movie. You're right. Okay, yeah, so, yes, you are. You're so right. No, so number one, I mean, Nemo was basically taught by Marlin to go against the flow and to be his own person because he felt held back by Marlin. It was his defiance and his tenacity that ultimately led him to survive in the end. Secondly, it was Gil who taught him the trick of swim down and work together as a team right. that ultimately led him get to get out of the tuna fish at the end. I mm-hmm. love that so Ingrid wow. knows the movie well enough to like blow <laughs> Specific uh, moments. I love it. Uh, you, wait, you don't so he learns every movie you've ever watched. No, I'm just like even more of a big fan now because you love that movie. <laughs> That's impressive. No, no, I don't love that movie. Uh-huh. I I do not love that movie. Okay, Anything. I just happen to memorize that movie, and I have certainly never <laughs> cried at that movie. No, oh, no, 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 no. Cried you know what? at the part where Dory <laughs> is like, "No, I need you to stay because when you stay, I can remember, and I don't want that to go away." That would be so very uncharacteristic of you. Back. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine yeah. you've never no, that, cried. That, that's that. not the weepy part because that that is like one no, of no, the ultimate father son films. Oh, sorry, but see, it is honestly, it's, it's that Dory moment. That gets me yeah. more than anything. That's it's that I don't true. want that to go away. Yeah. What I have found with you, I don't want that to disappear. But yeah, well, that's the, the whole friendship thing. But the father son thing is like the really <laughs> sad true, thing yeah. about that. Oh, is the unspoken part of that because you know if Marlin does swim away from Dory and she goes back to having absolutely no memory at all, five minutes from now she's not going to remember that experience. And we even right. see that because Nemo pops out and she's like. She doesn't remember a thing. So it was like what she was really lamenting was the the entire loss of her entire life. Her yeah. whole life was going to disappear if Marlon swam away. Whereas Marlon didn't didn't actually care one way or the other. You know, it was that's why that moment got me. It was that that metaphysical moment of loss of self. Mm-hmm. That's what she saw in him going away. You're See, so adorable. I work. I, I work. I work with what? way too many burned out hippies for that to be actually <laughs> fun like, at all. Because you have to talk to this guy and he doesn't remember anything you no. just said to him. It's so irritating. It was like the eternal sunshine of the spotless Dory. Or something. I, I keep thinking of Memento. Horrible. I want to see the sequel where like Dory's got tattoos all over that like say "Don't drink out of the cup on the shelf." So and so's a murderer. And <laughs> I just think it's adorable that Angry is like so like wrapped <laughs> up in the Pixar movie. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm actually just big into the whole literary analysis bullshit. That's thing. amazing. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. It's adorable. I'm a fan. Well, that was it for the right. um, <laughs> email from yeah, recovery. Did we actually answer this question or just like, <laughs> kind of? Not Whatever. really. The, the answer, no. Go go rewatch Finding Nemo, and the answer is in there. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yes. That's that's the answer to everything. Really, it's in Finding, Finding Nemo. Anyway, 
Ryan, by the way, I'm totally with you 100%. Min-maxers are true role players. You've got people marching into a life or death situation where literally their training is the only thing that's going to keep them alive. Any moron who doesn't devote every moment of their life to training themselves to survive deserves to die. It depends on the kind of game you're running. Yeah, well, and it's also like... But again, I'm pointing out, a good min-maxer min-maxes to the game that you're running. A good min-maxer. Like, I've played with a lot of min-maxers who don't make any sense. It's like, oh yes, I'm this race, but for some reason I was raised with these people and got these skills, even though that makes no sense whatsoever, but it makes me, like, you know, uh, mathematically the most effective like character. It, it gives it's, me a plus two in stealth. Yeah, my, my favorite min-max character, <laughs> which I... I had to reject <laughs> the retarded martial arts expert. His <laughs> intelligence as a dump stat. He, he used, <laughs> his, his int was like six. Yeah, but he had martial arts and took all of the the, the cool extras. This is in GURPS fourth edition. Took all of the cool oh. extras, so he was doing Ugh. a fuck ton of damage and could get like two or three attacks per turn and in GURPS, which one used to never be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> But he was uh, also retarded. <laughs> I have to step away from the keyboard for one second. Just carry on without me, okay? All right. Is this no where we argue about what optimized versus min-max means? <laughs> Is this that thing? I think if you come up with a reason for your character to be yeah. like ridiculously low in one stat, so you can like fuckingly like just ridiculously you know pump up the other stats. I think there are, there's a point where it's just like well, that makes if, no if sense. You're, if you're gonna do it, and this is what Casey likes to do, is he will he will make intelligence as dump stat and then role play that much to the annoyance of yes, everybody. He will. Yes, so he now will. all he of a sudden you're stuck with sometimes started martial arts. Uh, yes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> because it's the min maxer that doesn't play the dump stat. They right. don't play up to the weakness that they right. built into the character. That is very annoying. And I think that's more to the point that we've always talked about is that oftentimes they they play to their strengths and never play up their weaknesses. And it's right. like if you've made it, if you min max, right. there's a minimum part of the maximum that you are not playing. Let me let me just say to all the people who like have been emailing me complaining about having angry GM on the show, <gasps> I just want to say, you know, he came to me hat in hand saying he really <laughs> wanted to be on the show again, and he sent me a really long email. It was, it was a little blinky and a little long, but. I, 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 you know, I, I had to let him back in, so I'm sorry. I hope we don't lose you as listeners. And you know, if he listens to this, I'll try to edit it out. Yeah, because right. <laughs> we edit things. That's what we do. He's really just a softy. We love him. We just, I know. Hello. We just couldn't be that mean Dorian to him. Marlin. We threw him that right. bone. Yeah, he goes Amazing. on and on about Finding Nemo. So who's, yeah. who's, who's reading Recovering Midnight? Sort of trying to find a my fucking cursor. Oh, I'll read it. it. <clears throat> Email from Recovering Minmax. Oh, hold on. Oh. Lokio mentioned the 22 rules of Pixar. Yeah, that was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the best. Feelings have feelings, which feelings is the end of having, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. My favorite is like Scotland had feelings. It's Scotland like, had feelings. feelings. Google that. If you don't know what we're talking about, Email from Recovering Minmaxer. Yes. Hey, Happy Jack's crew. Hey. Hey. I have Hi. a question. Hey. Uh-oh, he's, oh, he's back. back. I have a question and a statement about an emailer in season 14 episode. Statements go out on the first. Something. Uh, the email was about a character <laughs> and having a set of things your character is going to do no matter what. Page turn. 
everyone said, no, you should not have it plotted out. And if you do, just write a book. Well, this is the one time I have listened and disagreed with what you have <coughs> said, jokers. I think it is completely okay to have a character to have a character have a set. I am going to do this no matter what plan for your character. But a character will set out to do this, what I like to call a goal, what you call just a character motive in a storybook, and do whatever it is to follow said plot you set out. The reason is because a character can do things besides this goal. This also gives the GM a way to plot twist these set goals. I have set a my character is going to do this no matter what goal for each character. The only thing is I don't let that ruin a role play moment and have conflicts between these set goals and what is on the table at the moment. These goals make my GM create a better personal story for me. By that I mean more ways my GM can mess with my character and it makes for a complex, drawn-out character that leaves an impression on my GM and other players. Now to my combat question. I plan on running a Shadowrun 5e campaign and one thing I can see coming up is if a character runs in first into combat and he does it all the time, how do I keep it real? with tactics, but also not seem like I'm picking on this character for doing something his character would do. What I don't want to happen is it seem like I am picking on this character when really tactics say, take out the first threat or the biggest threat in the room. Thanks, Recovering Min Max are on the forum. <laughs> yeah, how do, you, how do you punish someone for being, you know, for playing their character well, or not punish them? Yet, yeah, you can't. If, if he runs in and in is the in, in the front, uh, unless you have a tactical reason not to attack him, he's going to get the tet, at, hit at first. I would think. Yeah. Uh, I agree one hundred percent with that. The whole concept behind role playing games is that your choices have consequences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why role playing yes. games are good to play. Yeah. So if you choose <laughs> to always run into the room first, and after the first twenty times, Doc Wagon has to patch you up and you know <laughs> and debit your credit card. You don't learn, then you know what? You've got a bigger problem there. It's not that you just have to be telling them. It's like, I'm not picking on you, but you ran into the room first. What did you think was going to happen? Yes, yeah, every time. Every At time. some point, he'll be a learner and he'll figure it out. Right. And then uh, that's the arc it of may the be a second draw. or third character. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe never. Maybe right? you're That's a stork as a mage, and you have a. Well, to be fair, I was an egotistical sorcerer. No, right? No, no, no. I get and, it. And, and I just gotten a new tier with a bunch of new powers. And, and a rapier. And a normal defender was gone. Well, it was a. It was a. Yeah, it, had, oh, it, was, it was a. a but it's a totem and had that stuff. And I and I had all new tier of powers I didn't know how to use yet. So I decided I'm because it's in my character. I'm going to go off and ha ha. And uh, yeah, we but we lived. You guys lived, yes, and, and that was like a barely, combat. <clears throat> barely no. we lived, but it was a great moment. But my character's Memorable. motivation is so it's so him is to like, uh, you know what? I'm, I've got all these bitching new powers that I apparently didn't know I have because it's a tier system. All of a sudden, you get all new powers. You know, all of a sudden, I'm going to go try them out. Yeah. We're talking about it four years later, so it yeah. couldn't have been a bad moment. N to to me, you might want if if this is a like a player penchant, he likes to like charge into combat first thing which in Shadowrun I have not played Shadowrun I've read the I don't not fifth what you you're going to die I'll just <laughs> right well yeah I mean that that's not conducive to the to longevity in the game from my understanding yeah 
you might want to sit down with the player and say, hey, just so you know, this is a kind of a grittier game. And, and you're going to get shot up a lot. And you might may or may not live. And I just want you to know, when, you're, when you charge in mm-hmm. to rooms blind that have not yet been cleared, you're going to get shot up. I'm, it's nothing personal. That's that's where the episode zero or session zero is important. When you're creating the scenario of your game or you're creating your characters and you're together where you can talk about things like that. And then mm-hmm. if I make that choice, that's a choice I make. Right. But, and, yeah. And by the same token, if you're going to sit down and have that session zero, if you find you have a whole group of people sitting there saying that they're all the gung-ho they want to charge in, maybe you're Agreed. the problem at that point. You know, I mean, I mean, the GM is never the problem, but in that situation, <laughs> I want a bumper sticker that says that. <laughs> That's GM my next fucking problem. T-shirt. The GM yeah. is never the problem. Oh, hold on! I said it. Me. I've got my own brand here. <laughs> yeah. No, you know. no, I'm going to put dash can, the no, angry no, you can GM. License it from me. How about that? <laughs> I'll license it. <laughs> you need to copyright that. All 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 words uttered by Angry GM on this podcast are copyrighted. But, but you're absolutely right. You're 2015. Absolutely right. If the flavor of game that you want to run, or even the game that you want to run, is counter to everybody sitting at the table, uh, time to change the ride. He's I, he he's writing. I think he's making himself a copyright notice <laughs> as we speak. He's gonna mail it to you. <laughs> I giant middle finger camera. drawn on it. Well, there, uh, there's not enough oh, information. I, know. I was like, I think so, that's a storch crotch cam. Oh, oh, well, nice. There's not enough information for me to oh, fully yeah. judge, but if if the characters like, if the, if the person's playing a character that's very headstrong and they run in all the time, that's great. If the character is very weak and thinks they're Neo and they want it and they want to, you know, that pitching moment all the time, then that's an issue. That's when you need to sit down and go, okay. If you're playing a character that's headstrong and you're jumping in, you know you're going to get shot at. That's fine. You accept the consequences. Mm-hmm. If you're stupid enough to think that you're going to be Neo and you're going to get shot at, you can't blame me because, you know, and Angry's right. It's that's true. There need to be consequences. And at some point, you just go, okay, yes. you got out of it twice. I'm not cutting, I'm not fudging the dice anymore. You run in again, there's going to be consequences. Well, see, if Angry was running it, no fudging would be done and yeah. he would have died the first he time. He would have died the first time. <laughs> Is there okay, a copyright? I, I, I oh have to, God. I guess. Um, I'm so a- sorry. I run a better game than all of you. Oh. <laughs> so run an online Are you really game sorry? for us. He's not when sorry. Are, are you going to run an online game for us? Something's happening because I just had to allow an app. So I don't know. Oh, yeah, that, that was <laughs> Let me, uh, there's a couple of questions here on the Q&A. Let me go ahead and... Great. Uh, there's since, a Q&A. Audience participation. Uh, this is from Andrew. Since we're rehashing old topics, Stu, oh. what are your opinions on AC versus soak? <laughs> and what's the definition of crunch and fluff? Oh, okay, fuck, fuck you. you. We're not answering <laughs> this shit again. No more AC goddamn bullshit. Also, hi. It would be better if D&D used soak damage rather than... Uh, like, you want a house rule that? No, no, I just I just play GURPS. Why are you playing D and D? Why don't you just give it up? You I just told you it. why. You hate D and D. You hate GURPS. Why are you still doing it? No, he loves GURPS. I love GURPS. I love GURPS. The system you want to run. Why is it so hard? Because I want fun. audience. Yeah. I told Sorry, you. Okay, now. <laughs> he wants GURPS with the public like uh, appeal I, and draw. Yeah. I like GURPS. That doesn't have. Well, well, no, you can't. GURPS does not have public appeal and draw. I, no shit. But D and D does. Right, right. That's why I'm playing D and D. West Coast Gerps. Because because it's awesome. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crip walk. Uh, I actually like GURPS, but then I'm also an accountant and with an interest in economics. Here's another one, also from Andrews. Since we're talking about crafting a story in Pixar, is everyone familiar with the 22 rules of storytelling? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to... yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the 22 rules of storytelling. That's actually the older meme that was on Facebook. Yeah, there, said, there yeah. is an older Pixar reference yes. to the 22 rules then, of Pixar storytelling. Yes. Emotions have emotions. Uh, DT Pints asks, uh, is Stu's biggest problem with MinMax is the that it focuses more on the rules than he would ever want to? Yeah. Uh, I don't like learning rules. Uh, do the rules detract <laughs> from the immersion for you? Um, yeah, one of my least favorite things on the planet is when someone has to crack open a rule book during a game. That sucks. Yes. Well, I think, and like this is a total strange, maybe whiny topic because I've been drinking wine, but <laughs> I I've feel been like drinking it wine. Happened, and that's how that works. Yeah, that's totally how it works. <laughs> I feel like it, there's not necessarily realism in a game, but I feel like min-maxing compromises the realism that you do have in a game. And I'm someone who really likes to pre who really prefers to focus on characters and character development. I l really enjoy combat, but if you are creating a character at the expense of logic and the the background story, like this makes no sense. Why would this actually happen? You know, I mean, I hate to use it as an example, but like Tarzan in the jungle, but like times ten then that doesn't necessarily make sense to have a character that would have such a strange backstory just to give you that mechanical advantage. And I've been drinking, right. so I'm maybe I should stop. I'm going to give you a game to play. Uh -oh. Okay, This is a game that will greatly improve your role-playing. It's called How Can This Be True? Okay. All right. <laughs> Anybody can sit there and okay. watch a movie and find the plot holes right. or look at a character and find the plot holes and the things that don't make sense. One of my favorite things. A a skilled role player mm -hmm. looks at those things and says, how could this be true? What would have to happen for these things to be true? Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, well, this can't be true. This can't possibly be true. What things are happening in that world or what happened in that character's background that gave him those skills? Mm -hmm. Okay. Me, I am a min-maxer at heart. <laughs> I like my, I will play, I want to play the most effective character possible. Right. Why? Because I want to win. Okay, and anybody who wants who goes into a life or death situation based on a random number generator and doesn't want to win is asking to die. But at the same time, uh, and uh, you know, I realize that there are min, you know, there's min maxing, and then there's role playing, and then there's the merger between the two. And I'm right. talking about the merger between the two. Okay, but. Okay, there is nothing about min-maxing that precludes, precludes role-playing. Right. If I sit down True. and decide I am going to be the fire mage elf that was raised by dwarves and, uh, you, know, uh, who, uh, you know, with halfling traits for whatever reason, if I sit down and challenge myself to come up with a good story, then, yeah, it was driven by the mechanics first, but that doesn't make it any less of a valid or a compelling character. I agree with and, you. You know, and I think that that's what gets forgotten is we have this sort of binary view of either you are a role player or you are a min-maxer and never the two shall meet. <laughs> Me, the people I want at my table are the people who do both. Yeah. I want the people who understand the mechanics and build effective characters because mm -hmm. I'm going to challenge the hell out of them because I'm good at winning D&D. <laughs> and I also want the people who are going to come with a compelling story. And to be quite honest, I'm going to give my players a shout-out. Team Streptococcus, you're awesome at it. I love nice. you guys for it. Because you do both. Nice. Oh, yeah. All of, all of my uh, 
gaming groups have been named alphabetically after pathogens. I'm up to S. <laughs> no, no shit. That's a lot of groups. That's nice. awesome. When do you rename the rename the group? Also, what? When do you rename the group? How many people have to switch up before you rename the group? I guess um, probably one or two people stick around. I'll rename the group. Okay. But any more than that, they keep the same name. Okay. Yeah. I, I was going to say I, I, totally- do, I did have a toxoplasma, but they fell apart. Toxoplasma. <laughs> yeah, toxoplasma Gandhi. It's a parasite. Toxoplasmosis. It's yeah, it's like the, the, cats like carry, the right? cat shit disease. Yeah, it's the one that makes you crave cat urine. I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was intermediate histolytic. Oh. It, it also, it, it, that's the one that makes mice clumsy. Yeah. What? Yeah. Toxoplasma Gandhi. It's it's fantastic. It's wow. a, like a paramecium or something. I don't know. It's a yeah, yeah. It's, small... it's a parasite. It I don't actually want to know. It it's basically awesome. feeds off of rat brains, but it can also feed off of human brains. But it can only reproduce inside the stomach of cats. Yeah. So what it does is it actually alters the brain chemistry of rats so that they crave the smell of rat urine, and it also dulls down their survival instincts so that they tend to stay and fight cats instead of running away. So the cat kills and eats the rat. It's, this is absolutely true. Gandhi reproduces in its stomach, and then the cat shits out the Toxoplasma gandhi, and because rats hang out around the feces of other animals, they become infected again. Now, m- about 50% of American people are in- currently infected with Toxoplasma gandhi and do not know it. Mm-hmm. However, it can be very 50%. dangerous for what? fetuses. Yes, that's, that's it can why... It very dangerous yeah. for unborn fetuses, right, which yeah. is why... Uh, pregnant women are advised to stay away from changing the litter in their cat box. Yep. And that's a legitimate and thing. And that's they a say. fun fact for the day. And or stay away from cats. I mean, they basically th- say. There's, yeah. there's actually studies happening right now in Europe uh, where they're trying to figure out if there is a behavioral change in humans. In humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they found there wasn't. I was reading something recently, but the whole maybe new, not. The most recent thing I read... Uh, it is pu- it was all stuff that was purely coincidental and isn't mm-hmm. actually helping the cats in any way because what someone Jesus. was looking for was like the crazy cat lady hoarder right that's yeah. that is yeah. and that has not Nothing really panned out but they are seeing well, that's statist- because ultimately the problem is that there is no benefit to this parasite because generally speaking humans don't lose fights to cats and then no. get eaten Exactly. So even if there are behavioral changes, and and the human environment is not ideal for Toxoplasma gandhi, they really do want to be in rat brains. But, you know, it's sort of accidental that they can also survive in us because of genetic similarities. Right. But there there are statistically significant (laughs) uh, changes in human behavior that may pan out to be real. But probably not <laughs> beneficial to the cat or to the the parasite. Yeah, more accidental than anything. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's just that you have this paramecium eating parts. Of so when I open the box, what's the cat's the alive? It might have. Schrodinger's. <laughs> I. This is why you, you walk open... around with Kleenex boxes on your fucking feet. No, this is and... why you're a dog. You person. have a paramecium in your brain. You can't get tissue in there. Oh, I. J- <laughs> I just. I don't have cats. I don't have cats. Fuck the dead. Fuck cats. I yeah. like dogs. dogs Actually, only cat hands with a cat owner. That's <laughs> yeah, I try not to. And then something. There you go. You're infected. I don't even remember. Go ahead. Flip say. a coin. That's your I'm chance so that you out. have this in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's completely uh, harmless. Oh, it's not going to do anything to you. Say. You're not a fetus. 
uh, Pathfinder Society. More like yes. from, <laughs> from right. Scarab. Who would like to? Uh, who's, who has not read? Is it me? Back to I me. I haven't read yet. Oh. From Scarab. All right. Dear Happy Podcast hosts. Hosts. I've been reading for a very long time. I can do it even if I'm drinking. All right. I've been enjoying your shows for a while now. Good job. Drink. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> do it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Wait, my camera, so I can't you have fake this it sort anymore. of drinking game going with your fans and your email? Because i got to confess, I don't actually pay attention to your We show. do. Yeah. We yeah. do. Oh, no awesome. one does. Oh, my God. This is like the longest email. Okay. Can you have me a beer out of that? Did you see that scientists, those bastards, have just found that IPAs, having a higher amount of hops, have large amounts of estrogen? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Give me something else. Beware drinking these in excess. Shut up. I'm reading. <laughs> Unless you want serious man boobs. This could be both a plus and a minus for these gamers, I'd imagine. What? Dude, first first clue, drink beer man boobs. Yeah. Like lots of beer. Right. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Isn't it because beer has a lot of carbs and it makes you fat that gives you man boobs? Agreed. I'm just throwing that out there. Sierra yeah. Nevada has 12 grams Maybe of carbohydrates. Maybe the problem. Sierra Nevada has 12 grams of carbohydrates per bottle. <laughs> I it's would, not that much. I would really <laughs> like to investigate whether drinking IPAs gives you bigger boobs. For no reason. No, no reason. <laughs> Just curious. No reason Just at all. Just curious. Yes, yeah. scientific curiosity. Yeah, right? I wouldn't right. use yeah. it for cosplay or anything else. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> on your no last personal episode. gain. You're not yeah, supposed no to use that shit for gain. personal gain. You should gain. drink IPSs. <laughs> IPSs. India Pale Silicon. <laughs> no, that's not happening. Fuck you. Saline. Silicon. Oh, no, no, yeah, Saline. that's right. Yeah, not silicon. Yeah. Yeah. On your last episode, you read a letter that referred to Made in the RPG. This was a very fun game and does pay off, uh, play off the anime harem trope. I highly recommend it for fun one-shots. I also recommend that you check out Cobalt's Ate My Baby by Ninth Level Games if you, ha uh, if you haven't yet. It is a beer and pretzels RPG. I am it is an awesome game. It's totally 100%. Awesome. Yeah. Is it is it was it made in Australia? I don't know. It should have been. I am part of a gaming convention organization. My role in the organization is to coordinate special gaming events not related to organized play. Our organization had refers to all other RPGs as non PFS games, which annoys the shit out of me. Hopefully he doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast too. It he didn't say that. I said that, sorry. Um it seems I hope he listens to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems as though finding GMs to run non-organized played games, PFS, D&D 5 Adventures, Shadowrun Missions, is getting harder and harder. Really? Do you find that this to be yeah. a trend as well? At our con, we offer incentives for GMs, such as hotel rooms, per diems, and free swag, but it not seem to be enough of a draw. What the fuck? What we don't the get shit like that. Right? We don't no. get any that shit. I want a free hotel room? God I, damn it. I looked up where this shit is. Where is it? <laughs> South Carolina. I'd go there. Mm. It's a lot of humidity there. You guys there. don't get offered to all sorts of shit to run games? No. Wow. No. We, I mean, oh. we, we, we get into the con for free. Yeah. If you run enough if you games. Run, yes. If you run well, at least two. two. Yeah, yeah, two games. Twelve. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. So you do get free shit for running but games. Yeah, but that's free rooms. That's getting into the con. Yeah, we still have to pay like 200 bucks for hotel rooms and shit. No, 150. Shut up. Don't correct me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the cons aren't that expensive. Out no, they're, they're not. only like thirty, but forty dollars for the whole run for yeah. four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten bucks a day. It's yeah. a good, 
Goodness. I mean, that's Starbucks, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. I myself have been running PFS and other f- uh, FLGS flags. At, uh, at our FLGS. At our FLGS on Wednesday nights so that I can get my gaming fix. I'm finding that since I've started running... <laughs> PFS games, I've started to be losing my edge, in quotes, as a GM. Uh, the way I used to run games involved me making... Wow, you hit hard since you've been working Gee, three, out. Wow. 300 and something <laughs> pound deadlift. That actually I, hurt. I can deadlift 310 pounds. I can fucking hurt right? you. Anyway, but I'm you, still pretty You still can't lift up stew then. Yeah. Anyway. Fuck you. I don't weigh that much. <laughs> muscle, muscle mass is heavier than fat. That's yes. what I'm saying. I don't weigh 310 pounds. That's actually a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to the email. I went to yoga this morning. Fuck you. Nice. That motherfucker almost killed me. (laughs) Yoga? Standing on my neck. That that builds the muscle mass, right? The yoga? (gasps) You know what? It does. Yoga? (laughs) Yes, it does. Yeah. Because it's strength. I seem to be, quote, losing my edge. <laughs> it also made Sorry, me. Sorry, I was just being snarky. It also made me you? at one with no my way. inner deity. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste, bullshit. Okay. Namaste, inner, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Inner deity. Anyway, sorry, I seem to be quote losing my edge. Stop talking. Sorry. <laughs> Thing in the sorry, rewind the sentence. Go ahead. I'll shut up. An email happening here. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm finding that since I've started running PFS games, I seem to be quote losing my edge, unquote, as a GM. The scenes, writing down a few names to use for the NPCs. You skipped a whole sentence. I did not. The way I used to run games. Even though I drink because I've been reading for years. Remember she said that? (laughs) (laughs) You skipped a whole sentence. No, I didn't. The way I used to run games involved me making a few notes of some scenes, writing down a few names for the NPCs, and then letting the game organically evolve in play. In her mind. In my mind, I read it. You should talk about yoga. It was very distracting. Namaste, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I feel that the box text and the pre-generated scenarios have numbered my GMing skills. Numbed. Numbed my GMing skills. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on a crazy diet, and I really haven't had any alcohol for quite some time. (laughs) Comic-Con's in like a week and two days, so I've been been really cutting. Are you trying to finish those wings before then? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, Come, it's cosplay. Come on! All right. Anyway, uh, no. uh, have any of you experienced anything like this? Suggestions? Like what? Go ahead. And f- <laughs> I I you, has anyone here run organized play? Yes. Oh, you have. Does, I it, have. does it hurt you as a GM? I. It helped me, but it was because I kind of cut my teeth on that. Um, oh, and okay. honestly, Watsi turned out some kind of pretty awesome. Uh, material, I thought that was okay. for so fourth, right? Mm-hmm. That was for encounters? the first time fourth. ever in the history encounters. of ever. Yeah, yeah. So it helped me because that's where I, I started. Run, I ran a bunch of con stuff for Baldwin Games, who do the the organized play at cons for Watsi. And by the way, run for Baldwin Games; they're awesome. Yay! Uh, they but, give you free shit. Yeah, they do. They'll uh, like no, hotel if you rooms. Games for Gen Con at Gen Con for Baldwin Games. They will give you a free hotel room. Nice. <gasps> Holy shit! Yeah. Jesus Christ! No, no, I shit you not. You got to share with a couple of people, but it beats spending oh. for a hotel oh. room. Seriously? No, Baldwin it does Games. for Gen Con. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they have housing set aside for Baldman Games. Jesus. If you are a GM and you run enough games for them, enough D&D 5th Edition now games, they will give you a hotel room. They give you swag. They, I love it. I, I ran awesome. for several years for them. They were awesome. Wow. But I also found that they... There was one experience in particular that really improved my GMing skills, and that was I ran this event called The Delve. Yeah. It's it's a one-hour encounter, or or like a one-hour, two-encounter adventure, and you sit at this table for eight friggin' hours, and they just keep marching groups over to you, random groups of people, and you have to run the same game for them every hour for eight hours. And you have to assess the group, figure out what the hell they want out of their game, give them a good time, and make sure that they finish both encounters in that one-hour period, and then you're going to have another group of people. And let me tell you something, that does a hell of a lot for your GMing skill. That's like boot Yeah. What what level are you running it at, generally? Because you can't run like a sixth or seventh level game. You can't run two encounters in an hour. Uh, I think the the devil that I ran it was a few years ago, fourth edition. I think it was like third level. Or oh, okay, so it's level. pretty low. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, they keep it low level. Obviously, it's a, it's just a one hour game. It's just a, it's like a tasting menu for okay. for players. Okay, it's just to introduce the game. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing is that none of the players know how to play. You have to assume that none of the players know how to play. So you have to teach okay. them how to play the game and run them two encounters in under an hour, and then do it the same thing with another group. I Let me tell you, that will teach you how to be a good GM. And and hopefully convert them into lifelong role-playing yeah. gamers. Which, yeah. obvi- I mean, that's why Wizards, you know, and Baldwin Games do it. They want to, you know, they're selling their game. But. Sure. I feel like for one-shots at a convention, you always have to assume that people aren't familiar with the system, though. Yeah. Yeah, like, straight. I, yeah. I also run, like, super weird systems. So it's like, wild talents. Nobody's ever played this. Like, every person at the table has never heard of it. So, I'm I'm curious, angry. What happens if you fail? I mean, what happens to you if, as a GM if you if it runs an hour or two hours? What happens if the players leave angry? Uh, the Baldman game. I can't speak for Pathfinder Society or the other groups, but Baldman Games has a really excellent feedback system. So if you are a bad GM and you literally do mm-hmm. a bad job, you don't last long. Baldman Games takes quality very seriously. I know Good. I sound like I'm shilling for the guys. But I guess at some point I should because I actually wrote a couple of seminars on teaching GMs how to run games, so I kind of owe them the shill. But at the same time, they do have a really good feedback program, so you don't last long if you're a crappy GM. I mean, it happens, but, you know, it happens at any convention game. Yeah. Um... But but the thing is, like, I mean, if if the game runs a little long, then the players sit at your table a little long and you run them through the end. And then in eight hours, you only run seven groups instead of eight. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens. Yeah. Cool. That sounds cool. cool. All right. Continuing, continuing the email. Anyway, here's the PFS. Oh, that wasn't it, huh? No, <laughs> no, there's more. There's more drinking like Kimmy to come. <laughs> anyway, here's the PFS player horror story. Recently, I was informed that one of our regular problem players, in quotes, who part uh, doesn't know the rules and part cheats, was told to do so by one of our more popular GMs. He was told, quote, unless the GM asks you about how you are doing something or how you have something, do it, end quote. The player has also told other players, quote, unless the PFS police catch you, you can change whatever you want on your character sheets, end quote. Since then, most that's of, true of most laws. 
<laughs> you're, you're only in trouble if you get caught. Until you, get caught. You, yeah. you can pay the least amount of taxes you want until you get audited. Yeah. yeah. It's also true of the carpooling. Oh. Uh, <laughs> as an accountant, I do not endorse any of that advice at all. This advice is not coming from me. Please don't take my license. I've, yes. I've been audited three times by the IRS. Oh, fuckers. Gross. I can't even talk to you right now. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> um... Since then, most of us PFS GMs have agreed that whatever scenario he's in, the first thing encountered, goblin, skeleton, cat, etc., will always have the have a, quote, once per day of disintegration. Ray of disintegration. Ray of disintegration. Shut up. <laughs> P.S. Well, that's, that's a critical word. No, it is important, yes. It's just like, I'm going to disintegrate once a day. No. Yes. I have a ray that it disintegrates something else once a day. Once per day. I get it. Shut up. P.S. I don't mention. <laughs> I didn't mention that our convention's name because I didn't want this to come off like I was trying to sneak in a plug or on your show. If you want to mention it, great. I will put in some information at the bottom of the email. Also, I'll put in a link to my podcast. Drink until Stork rolls a natural twenty. Well, you guys are gonna get hammered. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I'm so screwed. Anyway, John, um, and he's. Uh, the plugging the, the Scarab okay, Game This con? is the shittiest URL I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> the the Game Con is called Scarab. Yeah. S-C-A-R-A-B. Mm-hmm. And their URL is S-C-A-R-A-B.com. Just fucking Google, because that's what I did. What the fuck? Did it show up? Okay. It did show up. And then he also... He's also on the Swarmcast... Which is at intuitively Johnman at Podbean dot com. No, 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 no. It's Johnman dot Podbean dot com. That, isn't that what I said? Oh, no, do, you dot. said at okay, like said, an I'm email sorry. address. Okay. Right. Well, See, I'm you. drinking and I'm correcting <laughs> you. Hey, you know what? I'd just like to point out here um, the way you're talking to your listeners. Maybe it's not the game system that's your popularity issue here. <laughs> Oh. Maybe it's like D and D is gonna bring. You're making fun of this guy's convention address. And okay, I'm you know, sorry. URLs are important. With you. URLs yeah, important. Wait, let me, let I, me tell I you. agree. I got. I got. Okay, Swarmcast podcast. My suggestion: change the name to Swarmcast RPG podcast. That's gonna. That's gonna help your search engine shit mm-hmm. a ton. Boom. Also. Uh, I just registered that, by the way. I will sell it to you on the angrygm.com. <laughs> and I'm sure swarmcastrpg.com is available, unless it's not available right now. Now. No, it's not, this it's not available all of a sudden. We shouldn't have okay. talked about it. <laughs> but that will help. And I, I, I think that is bizarre that they have trouble having finding people that run That is non- weird. I mean, we have a lot of well, Pathfinder Society guys at our, at our conventions, but they're sequestered away. And the Adventuring League, or whatever they call them. Yeah, the D&D Adventures League. The yeah. new dudes. Yeah. But uh, they're You still... know what? I actually totally understand, though, why, really? why this would be. Because the, the organized playgroups, they, they tend to give away a lot of rewards, They tend and they tend to market on their own. So, like... As a convention, you don't have to convince the Pathfinder. You don't have to s- to sell to Pathfinder Society GMs. You just have to, get, have to convince the Pathfinder Society to have a presence, and they'll get the GMs for you. Oh yeah. But when you want someone to run anything not a good organized game? play, you've got to you've got to sell that yourself as the convention. And right. you know most conventions are just not in the business of marketing to GMs like that. No, so they, yeah, no, I totally understand that. Wow, I, I I've no, 
because we have there's a lot of Pathfinder Society guys at our con, but their games aren't on our floor. They have their mm-hmm. own whole area where they, they where they wing. run the Pathfinder Society stuff. And you go and look in there; those fucking rooms are packed. Mm-hmm. I need to look at that because I never, yeah. Well, you're talking the game that has the Pathfinder Society has the full marketing power of Paizo behind it, right? You know. And the thing is, they don't even register their games on the same website that every other game registers its games at our conventions. Yeah. They register they have their own separate registration chip. Really? Yes. Well, at least I they did no it up idea. until last time I checked. I haven't looked recently, but yeah, look see if you find Pathfinder society no, that's games probably on probably true thing. because the you only don't. thing they list is the Adventure League and the non Yeah, Pathfinder yeah, society, yes. they have their whole blah, blah, own blah. webpage. And, and all that shit for the con is registered on some other site somewhere. I don't know where it is. And all that stuff is, they do it all, they have a huge amount of autonomy. And, they, and I, they've That's been bringing a lot of people. totally cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Let me ask you I, this, I, Angry. When you think, yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask you about this guy's problem character and the guy cheating. Is that a common problem? Uh, I can't say for the Pathfinder Society because I kind of stay away from the Pathfinder Society because, all right, I'm a hypocrite. Um, it's like Minmax or Central. <laughs> it's just people are playing the goddamn mechanics of the game. It's not, uh, like that's the Pathfinder Society players. They just want to win. They're in. They're in it to win it, and right. they're going to do everything they can to win. And you, you know, Pathfinder Society is set up around that sort of mindset, and I don't find that wholly satisfying. So. So, yeah, whenever you have a situation like that where you have, um, especially because I, my understanding of Pathfinder Society is there's all sorts of loot rewards and stuff, and there's all sorts of tracking. So okay. as you gain these rewards for your character, you, you get better stuff. And as soon as you have that incentive system where there is an incentive to cheat, as if the enforcement is not top notch, then you're going to have players who are going to cheat. Well, and it's pretty okay. obvious that that they all know about him because they've all agreed to make a ray of disintegration to deal with him. Right, which means, which tells me that the Pathfinder Society does not have a good system for dealing with their cheaters, uh, because then you have these GMs who are just kind of going off and you know, kind of law of the wild westing this guy and saying, "Well, we'll just deal with him this way." You know, basically, he's he's an outlaw now. But at the same time, I don't think that's like a healthy arms race to to get into, you know? I don't know. I can't say. I've never run the Pathfinder Society shit. I, I've run a few Pathfinder mo- official modules at game stores and stuff. And the experience has put me off running Pathfinder Society stuff. I, I don't want to. Uh, you, uh, you know what? I don't care. I, like, I give a shit. He's always cutting me a check. No, I find your society to be basically a whole bunch of min maxers and a whole bunch of DMs who are like beaten down and have to take it from the players because you don't give Aww. them any autonomy at all. I think it's terrible. I think it's a terrible setup. But you're friggin' Paizo, and you know how to support your game with with your friggin' third party, with your supplements, because, let's be honest, Paizo, you're basically a third-party publisher that just happens to own the game that you're publishing for, that's all you ever are, and you're top-notch at supporting your game, but, but, um, I'm... You, you know, you got lost. You got lost in your rant. <laughs> uh, so no, I haven't run much Pathfinder Society. So. <laughs> no. 
No, no, I'm, I'm, I actually like Pathfinder. It's, it's a fun game because I like three point five. I like Pathfinder too. And I do think I've that Paizo is really top notch at supporting a game. And I do think that they have done a lot of really great stuff to build up the Pathfinder Society, and it is obviously very popular, and obviously a lot of people love it. It's just not the experience I'm looking for as a GM, because there really is a very limited autonomy, and part of that is because every table has to be run on the fair rules, and because there are rewards that are given out to players for succeeding you have to make sure it's a level playing field and therefore every gm has to run exactly the same way and that means you have to keep your gms on a tight leash it's the society they've set up and i i can't fault that but i also wouldn't run for it but at the same time carrot players like this are a sign that maybe the enforcement is not very effective especially i I mean but you know what it might just be this that's the problem is it's an anecdote it's one person right you know and you could assume oh they have this huge problem with cheating or there's just one asshole who slipped through the cracks true you never know you know yeah what was i saying what's the question Uh, i was just gonna say have you ever encountered somebody like this that that cheats that way and how would you handle it if if even though let's say it's not a, a pathfinder society because uh, it, it seems pretty egregious that he's basically saying, uh, unless they catch you, it's not a problem. And um, what, is, what does he do? Is he changes stuff uh, randomly, uh, randomly on his sheet? on his character sheet? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, he uh, just says he has what he has, or it's only against the rules if you're yeah. caught, right? Well, I mean, honestly, if I'm sitting down and running a convention game and everybody at the table has a good time, that if one of the players is cheating and that gives them yeah. their good time, I don't give a shit. But if I'm part of running <coughs> games as an sanctioned event for Pathfinder Society or Baldman or whatever, then yeah, I am kind of beholden to enforce the rules, and then I am kind of beholden to follow whatever reporting procedures are in place. And if there aren't reporting procedures, maybe talk to whoever's above me and say, hey, you know, I'm noticing X many players that are actually pulling this bullshit and possibly ruining the experience for themselves and for other players, maybe we need to look at that as a society. But that's assuming that I'm running as a member of this sort of society thing. All right. True. It just yeah. it seems odd to me that, that there, there's a situation where players can cheat like that, and I'm wondering if it's just PFS or if it can happen at all of these types of games. I honestly, I can't say anymore because I've fallen away from the D&D organized play once 5th edition came out. I cannot make any sense of the D&D encounters versus the adventurer society or whatever the hell else they've got going on. I don't know what's going on. That's fair. I just was asking because you're the only one that has any experience in that. Yeah, no, I was going to say it could absolutely happen. And I think (laughs) if you played with a group of people or a person regularly you would maybe catch on that, you know, no, they don't have that plus in their skill or their, they don't have that particular equipment or, but, you know, only if you played over time with that person. So I think anybody could, you know, it's up the hmm. person or the person running it. Both, it sounds like. Yeah. It takes two. You know, that's yeah. why the ray of disintegration seems to come up a lot because that's the only, you know... Well, they, they need to take yeah, a- but again, you get into that arms race between player and GM, and that doesn't yeah. actually involve anything. No. Yep. It just means you disintegrate him, he goes away and fucks up somebody else's game. Yeah. 
Right, so and is sure. that even legal? I mean, I wonder if that's even within the rules of the Pathfinder Society, because my understanding of the Pathfinder Society... society I can't talk anymore. Because <laughs> the skull was full of vodka. <laughs> no, right. that's the thing. It's the, this bottle was two-thirds full when I started. It's now Holy less than shit. a third. Wait, how much? I can't see. It, it, look at the screen. Come here. Wait, what? Talk. So, so it flips over to you. It, it started here. Wow. <laughs> What God, the fuck, son? I hope you don't have any hard, <laughs> hardcore accounting to do in the morning. No, no, I got nothing to do. You but can hold your liquor, though. all the way that way, and I can't get any more cranberry juice to cut it with, so it's just, I'm just, I'm just stinking straight, straight vodka stink for... Drink. Like, <laughs> shut up, shut up. What the fuck? By I all rights, you should be brain dead right now. <laughs> you should be brain dead right now. Brain dead. By all rights. Hey, I have not played a uh, quick, quick aside that actually relates. Good. Uh, I've not played Cobalt's Ain't My Baby, but uh, y'all should try out uh, No Country for Old Cobalds if you. Because <laughs> I played that at Orcon and it's fucking fun. It's got to be the same people. Yeah, you get a character sheet that has eight slots for your different Cobalds in your Cobalt family because they're gonna die so then you have different and they get stronger as the as the family progresses it's like the billy so. goats gruff after you kill you know the, the other brother comes in yeah and more yeah, okay. yeah and then they get you that's how you kind of i guess quote unquote level up is you there is there a next game going to be called my dinner with kobolds <laughs> <laughs> be awesome only the if you kobold, had to talk like wallace sean the kobold bride <laughs> is she What's the kobold bride the cliff of insanity <laughs> oh my god that would be so good kobolds should do everything age of kobold yeah. <laughs> you know honestly if you're looking for a really lightweight short easy to run convention game uh, that's that's full of humor i want to plug old school hack by kieran robinson I've you can get it that. you can get it for free it's like oldschoolhack.net i don't know do a google search you have the googles <laughs> oldschoolhack.net there is no reason for us to have to give out urls anymore thank no, you right all right so, uh, uh, oh, also, back wait, to you. i'm sorry oh, my editor is in the chat reminding me that the gm word of the week this week was kobold yeah. so if you haven't been to mad oh. adventurous society you should go check out that podcast that we're that we're now collaborating on so the Mad Adventurers Society, the Mad Adventurers Society. Okay. It's um, it's it's a, it's another gaming website with stuff. It's I can't talk now. Word of the week. It's like what is it, like you bet your life that the cobalt comes down and we win a prize. It's like a Pee Wee Herman. No, 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 no. Okay, it's it's this really neat idea. Yes, said the magic way. Writing it. It's like okay. Imagine if you had a word of the week calendar. You know, like not a word of the day calendar, but a word of the week calendar. All right. I'm not right. Imagine day, but. It's for all sorts of gaming-related words. And then the idea is it just takes you to, through this word like kobold. Where did the word come from? What are, the mythical, what are the mythical stories about kobolds? And how does that relate to remote-controlled cars? And kobold, the ore that you dig up in mines. And how can you use kobolds more effectively in your game? It's just sort of a, a five- to ten-minute journey started by a single word through whatever connections we can make. Oh, all right. Uh, two weeks ago, the word was crepuscular, and we talked about uh, the sun and cats and New Zealand and the origins Aww. of New Zealand and how cats took over New Zealand, and it's fun. Check it out. The GM word of the week, madadventurers.com. All right. It's awesome. Like someone, someone just boosted it in the chat room. Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually my editor, Fiddleback, Brian Casey. Okay. 
Okay. He, he, he's the editor in chief over at Mad Adventurous Society, and uh, he, he edits my things. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, D. Pints wants to know if you have if if you uh, are do actual plays. Me? Yeah. Oh hell no! Those are the most boring things in the world. I cannot understand. You know what? They are them. for most of us, but a lot of people listen to yeah, them. Yeah, they do. We uh, don't yeah, listen to I, them, but other people do. Well, and I think you, sir, Mister Angry, should run a game uh, for us online. Sure. Ooh. Honestly, oh, yeah. no. Seriously. I'm also no, no. Honestly, sure. The look. Yes. I'm going to let everybody in on the deep secret right now. How do you get the angry GM to run a game for you? You say, "Hey, angry, run a game for us." Yes. And then, as as long as you don't make me like figure out the the time and the date and how to get everyone together and all that administrative shit that I'm I actually really hate, good at. That. If you just tell me, show up on this night on Google Plus Hangout Chat Skype whatever and run a game for us i will show up and i will run a game for four or five hours that's I, all I, I, fuck yeah. I, I can't do okay. that because i really don't want to be part of team trichinosis i want to <laughs> no, no, trichinosis. I, I think i'm up to v now so i need to go i thought uh, you said you were at s venereal so that was the no, no, specific uh, thing he was saying venereal. <laughs> no no uh toxoplasma broke up and there was Toxoplan. a u that also broke up. is there a I think we need to be venereal. Oh, it's very appropriate. I think so too. Speaking of which, no, venereal is not the name of pathogen. Okay? <laughs> no, I know it isn't. Well, <laughs> stop ruining the joke disbelief. by explaining it. Yeah. So, speaking of which, angry, it's back to you. Team it's Vulcan read. Oh, I'm gonna look at the pathogen. <laughs> Do you want to read it, or you want me to read it? Oh, you, okay. I can read okay. it. Okay. Okay. I'm also uh, not half gone. I'm more than half gone. Sorry, chat room. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Someone's asking. Hold on. Someone's asking me about on, the online game. I announced it way before I was ready. Yeah. I okay. have collected the emails of people who want to play in the game. I have set them aside. I am working diligently on getting it ready. It's going to be, uh, kind of Starship Troopers esque. Ooh. Ooh. But not military. I love that that movie, by the way. <sighs> so wait, I'm too. sorry. Wasn't Starship Troopers entirely a military wank? So if you take the military out of Starship Troopers, no. Do you, what, no. what do you actually I, have? We, well, the whole world. Well, well, that's that's the problem. What I'm doing right now is I'm saying, okay, <laughs> take because because Starship. Have you read the book? Yes. Okay. It's kind of a it's kind of a political treatise. You didn't expect me to say that, did you? No. No. It's kind of a political <laughs> treatise, right? By mm -hmm. by Heinlein. Um, mm -hmm. What I'm doing is I'm trying to answer a bunch of questions about what the rest of society would be like under this kind of militaristic rule. I like that. Mm -hmm. So let me. So you're taking this militaristic universe, and you're trying to find the least ex ex interesting place to run a game in it. Oh, I don't know if it's going to be the least interesting place. It's the least the le obvious. The least interesting place would be like the, the test subject battalion. Here, we're going to like give you this drug and see if you die. Okay, you didn't. No, no. It it, it will be an interesting game. I, I have a feeling yeah, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be traveler-esque. It's okay. going to be well, no, kind of a That actually sounds cool. Right, which I I guess would now would be called called firefly esque yeah and that's and that's very stew as I far as a gm like that's like his quintessential like gming style is to kind of veer away from the like obvious like hey we're in a military society we're gonna be a military troop like he finds those like kind of like niche 
things that are very no i i think the the world those people live in would be fascinating yeah no that's, I, I totally agree 100 percent. i'm sorry i was i was going for the cheap life i know <laughs> i know you sound like a really you cool good for you also, are you wearing? Yeah, no, like, I usually don't reach for the comedic, comedic low hanging mm -hmm. fruits. Right? No? <laughs> I go for carefully crafted, co quality comedy. Right. Carefully crafted. He goes comedy. for the low quats. Yeah. Are those leggings you're wearing? Because they're super cute, by the way. They they are you, meggings. Meggings. They, they I are meggings. <laughs> I like that. No, no, okay, I shit you not. Man leggings. Wait, what? The okay. You have to see his picture over here. There's meggings. Meggings. Okay. Yes. okay. So there's. A, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. This all started because I made this rant about the differences in men and women's clothing and why can't guys wear yoga pants. They can. And, you know, they can. Why is, it, why is it socially unacceptable for men to walk around in skin-tight pants? And I was just making a joke, but then somebody in my feed sent me this link to this company called meggingsman.com or meggingsmen.com <laughs> right. and they make men's leggings and they're basically leggings mm -hmm. except the crotch is a little differently designed oh. to prevent and I quote unsightly bulges are those called a hammer pants? <laughs> I appreciate that those sound like yeah, no, no, I, hammer I, pants I, are, okay. are like different no, no, than no, poofiness no. okay wow. so I'm like Okay, and I kind of made fun of it a little bit, but then I checked out the website and I bought a pair just out of sheer stupid curiosity. <laughs> and two things happened. Number one, I discovered they're like the most comfortable things I have ever worn in my right? life. And I now understand why women basically wear them as sweatpants. Yes. Well, that's what they are. All day long. I know. Yeah. I understand now. Number yep. two... I have gotten so many compliments really? since I started wearing them. You're megging. I have never randomly been complimented on a pair of clothing in uh, on any outfit of clothing in my life. Oh, okay. And you wear them outside your house. Well, I wear them in public all the time nice. now. Well, well stand up and give I us a spin. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Do nice. your little turn on. Stand up and give us, give us a spin. I don't. I don't know how it's gonna. <laughs> I don't know how zoomed in I am. Woo! Oh like Jesus! Ceiling fan. <laughs> I just put my hand in the ceiling fan. <laughs> Do your little twist on the cat. <laughs> are they like the galaxy prints? Is that what they are? They're like. Yeah, these are the galaxy nice. print ones. That's fun. That's hot. Like with an H A W T. So awesome. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I you have a for this. ones. Black on black. <laughs> black on black. Wait, what's the? Oh no, called? no, they're like black and they're like metallic black and and matte black stripe, uh, like broad bands. You know, so none more really black. Cool. Anyway, I look totally get a pair. They are the most comfortable things imaginable. <laughs> what was the company? Anyway, uh, Megging. It really was Megging. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna have leggings. to get a pair for my next yoga class. Yeah. And, right. and the thing to... is, okay. the reason I'm wearing the the nebula ones today is actually to commemorate the Supreme Court decision because they're kind of rainbow colored and Yay! as a as a part time fag, I actually have to I do have to kind of support that. That's awesome. Yay! So yeah. I I've discovered the wonder of Thai fisherman pants. Ooh. What are those? <laughs> have you ever Thai fisherman pants? No, I've those, never heard of are them. Are those like hammer pants? Because uh, they're of, like, and but they're not the gathered. Big... They're short. Oh. They they only come they, they come about like like oh. mid calf. No, I know what you're talking about. Those right. are and, awesome. and they're like wide bottomed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yep. Those oh, are like see, incredibly I comfortable. I, I honestly have to say, I have discovered that I don't have a love of loose clothing. I like, I like down there. I like it to be nice and tight. You know. It's, <laughs> oh, you, yeah. you will produce less uh, uh, spermatozoa well, that way. Apparently, I, I give no shits. Okay? <laughs> uh, I'm almost forty. I don't have a kid yet. It's not in the future. I don't want one. Um. <laughs> Lokio put a Megging's um, link on the, and they're awesome. They are. They are. They, I really love them. I really love them. As someone who's like, <laughs> oh That's my god, they're right beautiful. Now, yeah. <laughs> it's the first one. Damn straight, they are. As someone who spent like a ridiculous amount of money on trendy, nerdy leggings, like it's it's amazing. I love that there's like a male <laughs> variety as well. You dress yeah, in the manner of a male prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I've been running a lot lately, and oh, my legs are now awesome. I can, nice. like, kick a hole through a cow right now. <laughs> and my, I mean, I'm Ooh. not proud of my upper body, obviously, but my lower body is to die for. So, <laughs> so I want people to look. Yeah. Awesome. They go. Galaxy, right. Galaxy print down there, that will happen. Right. Jo- well, jog- let's be honest. The sexiest thing you can wear is confidence. I'm just throwing here, it out there. Here, fucking here. I, I would say possibly a very good push-up bra. But that's a separate, that's <laughs> yeah. a separate I, argument. I, yeah, but see, the thing is, I've lost 140 pounds. I can't even fill out an A-cup anymore. So <laughs> that's just There's a lot it. of German tourists on nudist beaches that are full of confidence, and I still don't want to look. <laughs> they still look awful. Yeah, <laughs> but seriously, angry. That's awesome. Great you know job on your yeah. vibe here. <laughs> what was that? You're harsh in my vibe here. Um, yeah. No, she's just jealous. Don't listen to him. Yeah, damn straight. You just can't rock this, man. <laughs> no, I got lousy legs. I want to see Stork and, and Meggings. I got, I got lousy legs. <laughs> I have a pair of Wonder Woman leggings you could totally borrow for this cause. Uh, I would never wear them again, but it would be great. Yes, but, oh. but the crotch isn't specifically designed to prevent unsightly bulges, so... Hey! That's, yeah. that's the best part of it. That's what, also why I'd never <laughs> wear them again. Unsightly bulges. All right. uh, on an unrelated note, I just have to bring this up, <laughs> oh, no. because now we're talking about Titan. Did you know that Lululemon recently launched a line of male yoga pants that that use this, what they call their ABC technology, which stands for anti-ball crushing? <laughs> I shit you not. Look it up. Okay? Like, seriously, they're advertising these pants as anti-ball crush pants. That's amazing. Now, which is insane because... This is a problem that's been solved by pants for centuries. Yeah. <laughs> like, Duluth makes a whole bit, uh, the, bunch of work pants. They, they call them ballroom pants. <laughs> and, the, and, they, and they add as this guy's squatting. And, and the first ad, he goes, oh! And the second ad, he's, Because oh, he's got more ballroom. Okay, those are just pants. That's amazing. I've never heard of this problem before. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Having, Actually, having a testicle guy, I had never heard of this problem either. <laughs> I had never put on a pair thing. of pants and been like, oh, dear, something is wrong down there. <laughs> but have, apparently, Lululemon solved it. Yeah, that's great. Ha, you know, you know, as you get older, having testicles sucks. Because yeah, you, yeah. they start getting in the way a little more often. Because <laughs> gravity starts to take hold. And then it's like... Just sit always down long and then oh exactly. god! Can't you get oh, taped Jesus. for that or something? Well, they, they make the ball bra. Yeah, you have they to. They do. Yeah. The, oh lord! The nut bra. The nut bra. That was yeah. what it was called. Go look up well, the. Go look up the video. 
Yeah, I will we're say poorly designed. Getting yourself a pair of meggings. Do not rely on the crotch design alone. You got to get yourself a nice men's thong because you do not want unsightly lines in the back. <laughs> I'm feeling. Can't you just go on natural? No. Why not? No, no, you cannot. I, I tried. You cannot. Uh, things happen up front that you don't want to know about. The things we do not need to know. Do really? Da, yeah, do you, you can see like your religion. What? Like what? Yeah, yeah, precisely. Like dress yeah. left? Do you dress left, sir? Or no, you can see religion. That this is really uh, something we don't want to know. Definition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just saying. Like nothing to the imagination. No, I've experienced that in the cosplay world. It's not good. No, it's not. That's that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. It's like all oh, this. Spider-Man and Anyway, if you need Spider-Man. suggestions for a good Spider-Boy, yeah, I'll Peter tell Parker you the brands. <laughs> <laughs> the time I enjoyed the loss of control of my podcast. <laughs> uh, player character from Adam in Fresno, mm. Japan. There's Fresno. a Fresno, Japan? No, he's from Fresno, but he's in Japan. Oh, see, I see. See, that's Japan. the whole who, uh, you, Oxford comma that you, you wanna, don't like. You, you want to read this one, Angry? No, I actually changed Yeah, that. sure, what the hell. All right. Oh, oh okay, your Gina can read. I don't No, I don't care. you should read. Have you, have okay. you read him? I did read okay, right. All right. Greetings. Insert clever doucheboat joke. Do, holy, maybe I should let you read. <laughs> Skull bucket. Greetings. Insert clever douchebag joke here. Greetings. <laughs> Making yeah okay. <laughs> First off, as usual, you all are beautiful people. Hashtag Stork's hair is great. I just want to take a moment to point Stork's out if great. you use if you use the apostrophe in your hashtag, it will not work properly. <laughs> I know. Okay, good, good just kidding. I wanted an excuse to use that hashtag. Since it's an audio podcast, I'm just left to assume that you're as good looking as you are entertaining. Anyway, what on the fuck to my is that story. Supposed to mean? I was going to say that theory could be debunked in a heartbeat. Yeah, don't go to the Google uh, Pluses and look yeah. at us. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, no, I, are you kidding? I'm sexy as hell. Truth. In your meggings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn straight. The galaxy <laughs> meggings. Do you have the nebula ones, too? I do have the nebula ones also. The galaxy, the nebula, and I just ordered the Jupiter. Yeah. I love that he's uh, like, okay. Yeah. I was playing second edition Dungeons and Dragons with my high school friends back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a regular member of this particular group because I liked fun and light characters, but this DM preferred serious and dark. Dun, dun, dun. As, I re- as I recall, the DM was reluctant to let me join, but I asked nicely, and one of my other friends asked to let me join as a favor. I think most of the party was chaotic neutral. One chaotic good character, and I played neutral good. For the sake of the party, I made a fighter to fill a gap left by mostly rogues and wizards. The chaotic good character was a ranger, which I think required a good alignment. I used wisdom as my dump stat, so at least I could play a good character while still going along with whatever the party deceived me into doing. Them. We're not stealing. We're recovering the gold from the thieves. Me. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. As long as we're not doing anything <laughs> bad. I, I, I inserted that inflection because I assumed that's how he was playing it. That was the best voice ever. That was very deadly do right. Oh, thank you. Nice. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was rocky for the most part. And then <gasps> one day before the session started, the DM called me off to the side. I was convinced that she was going to ask me to leave the group since I wasn't fitting in. 
Instead, she told me that my character had been captured and a shapeshifter had taken my place in the party. She gave me the chance to quit the campaign <laughs> or go what? along with her plan. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm not going to editorialize There yet. were options. <laughs> Look, either do this or you're out of my game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or quit. I, I, I mean, that's how I enforce my rules, but... Wow. I, I agreed when she assured me that I'd get my character back after I completed the shapeshifter's mission. Our party was hired, along with many other adventurers, to guard the king from a known plot to assassinate him. I played it cool, instead of joking around like I usually did. I also didn't call anyone by their names in the hope that the change in attitude and ignorance of the other characters might tip off my companions. It didn't work. They ignored me, as they usually did. We were patrolling the part of the castle that we were assigned. As we were walking the halls, we passed another adventuring group. Uncharacteristically, I spoke up. I asked if any of the other adventurers looked suspicious, as if they were hiding weapons that they might draw quickly like a hand crossbow or a poison dagger. The DM looked confused for a moment, but all the other players were looking at her. I took the opportunity to flash her a smile and a wink. She seemed to take my meaning and rolled before declaring that I noticed one of them reaching into his cloak. I shouted, look out, and I attacked the guy. Soon my party was in combat and butchered the other adventurers. I never stepped up to lead the party before. Instead, I just went along with what the other players suggested, but not this time. I said that we would need to get to the king as fast as possible and left combat, running toward the king's private chambers. I kicked open the door to surprise the king and his personal guards. My party arrived shortly thereafter, and I announced that we had stopped some assassins, but we suspected there might be more within the king's personal guard. When the personal guards wouldn't back down, we ended up fighting them. After we defeated most of them, one of the guards escaped to raise the alarm. I suggested that the other players catch the traitor while I stayed behind to protect the king. They agreed and left. (laughs) I looked at the DM and grinned like an idiot as I was alone (laughs) with the king in the room. We ran out of time, and we were going to pick it up in the next session. I was so proud of myself, and the DM was so pleased that I'd followed her plan. Sadly the next session never came. I wanted so badly to brag how I fooled my friends and see the aftermath of what had happened. Anyway, losing control of my character turned out to be one of my fondest memories. I suppose that I enjoyed it most because I knew it was only temporary, but it was nice to step outside my comfort zone. I'm curious how you guys see this. Do you think that the DM put me on rails? Would you ever put a traitor in your party? Would you tell a player that their character is suddenly completely different? Thanks again. Adam from Fresno in Japan. Inactively boatmonger on the forums. P.S. Obligatory P.S. comment. Nice. Wow, that's a like fascinating scenario right there. It is. It is, yeah. Uh, Jib ran a game once where he had uh, one of the player characters as a traitor. It, mm-hmm. was, uh, it was his con game. Uh, it seemed to work out really well if, if, if you let everybody in on it. And I guess, like he said, he didn't just... He, he let the player choose and say, you know, mm-hmm. this, is gonna, this is what I kind of plan. You're going to be the traitor in the party. Uh, Are you up that, for that? Yeah, I don't know if it's choice, though. It's like, you do this or you're out of the game. Well, yeah. That's the one piece I don't necessarily agree with. I really like the whole the way it played out. 
But I don't like the, hey, you do this or you're out. Like, that's the right. one part that seems super, like, kind of like a bully and railroady. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the rest seems really cool that he was given that opportunity. But well, is it right to do that? Ultimately, I think that the, the entire premise of this question is wrong to begin with because the player is saying, this is the time I enjoyed losing control of my character. And the fact of the matter is he didn't lose control of his character right. at all. His character was right. taken off camera and he got to be someone completely different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was given basically it's the old scenario of you're given permission to be whatever kind of a jerk you want to be for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, who's not going to jump at that chance? But I, I do agree that like the DM was kind of the, the the whole do this or you're out of the game. That that was kind of bullying, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I definitely don't agree with that. I, I do agree with the idea of asking the player for the buy-in, and if the player goes along with it, then giving the free giving the player the freedom to play along with that story. Mm-hmm. rather than taking control away from the player. I think that's what the GM did right in this scenario. Right, yeah. I did notice that the GM did not force the trader's character to do a certain storyline that she had already had planned out. The fact that, you know, he was able to wink at the, at the GM and say, trust me, that you know, I'm, I'm doing this, and they were able to, you know, take off these, which I'm sure she didn't have planned, uh, mm-hmm. says, speaks volumes to her as a GM. Yeah, maybe she set this scenario up to get him out of his his bubble because he was just being yeah. a, a reactive player and not a proactive player. It's possible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, kind of to loop back into something Angry said earlier about uh, <clears throat> d- being able to develop as a GM or being in situations. That's a time where you develop your uh, ability to play a character or to uh, be a little more improv-y or think about your character in a different way is when you're put in. A position that you're not, uh, that you wouldn't have maybe prepared for. Prepared for. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, actually, that's that's a really great point. Uh, um, and honestly, if you really want to test your players to their limit, there was, I don't know if anybody ever watched the, the sci-fi show Farscape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was absolutely <clears throat> a fantastic episode where the characters had all of their brains switched. I mean, it was completely uh, science babble or techno babble mm-hmm. bullshit that did it. But all the characters were the other characters. And each of the actors got to kind of portray a stereotypical version of the other character that they were playing. Nice. If you really want to bump your players out of their comfort zones and challenge yep. them, Run the one game where you brain switch everybody, <laughs> where you, you say, okay, you're now this character in this body. And you could do it either way. You could, uh-huh. you could give the characters the different bodies or you could give the characters the different brains. But the more interesting thing is to force someone to be someone else's brain. Because that demonstrates two things. It demonstrates how good a role player you are, and it also demonstrates how good the other player has been at conveying their character's true motives. Oh, I think so that's I definitely, yeah. So definitely do that. It's 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 a lot of fun. That's one of the reasons I like random character generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. uh-huh. you, you roll up a character, you have very little control. You have a couple of decision points, but the traveler, of course, mm-hmm. is the obvious example. And then you you just have to kind of piece together a background from the information you got and figure out who this guy is. Rather than set out saying, I'm going to make this yep. character. Yeah. And I, I really prefer that. 
I love that. And that's something we love about the the Traveler character system. It's like, maybe you'll die before character dread. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the dead, old traveler. Super interesting. Character. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like being able to, like, even if you kind of have an idea of who you think this character is, being able to discover yeah. who that character is in either gameplay or character right. creation or where they reveal, that character reveals parts of themselves or their character to you as you're playing mm-hmm. it, too. It's not all preordained. Well, and and just cool. as I figure out who my character yeah. is... In Bill's game, we're gonna ban. I'm gonna get to ban them. Well, you know, there's there's yeah, also some. You know that? That, yeah. Sorry, no, th- I'm I, just saying. There's also. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're the guest. Okay, well, I was gonna say there's also something to be said for just you know not having huge character planning, but have the players come and generate their characters, but not give them any time to make decisions. It's like okay, mm-hmm. everybody, you have thirty seconds to pick mm-hmm. a race. You have one minute to pick a class. Ooh, yeah. Okay, now you have five minutes to pick your class features and whatever, and then do not let the characters actually, or do not let the players actually think ahead in their character design more than just a minute or two so that when they come to the table they have to discover who their character is and it's all Mm -hmm. of a sudden like i don't know why the hell do i know healing or or history or whatever the hell skill i chose i love that you know it's it that's a lot of fun too and it's it's sort of a a a less heavy-handed approach to their random generation because some players really do balk at, at you know, having their entire destiny determined by the die rolls. Right. I think that that increases as you've been playing for a long time. You've played lots of different characters, but they're, you know, we all kind of tend to do, you know, specific types. Mm-hmm. I tend to be very talky, smart characters, mm-hmm. and I feel like sometimes I balk at, bulk at um, random character generation, but I feel like that would push me in a direction that maybe would be off the norm of what I do, but also not like feeling like I'm out of control because I don't know if you've noticed I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> Who are you? Because I hadn't really? guessed that. No, <laughs> no. Well, let, let me just say from the uh, in Bill's Star Wars game, uh-huh. uh huh. The last session's up, mm-hmm. session seven, and Stork's character left. I, I don't think right? this is a spoiler at this point because the twelve thousand twelve hundred people have already downloaded it, so yeah. you've already heard it. Stork's character left like right at the end of combat, right. <laughs> And there is uh, all kinds of really tense stuff going on between the other player characters because there's a Sith Lord there, and anyway, so Stork's char- characters left, and then we had a, a party at Bill's house, and I don't know, if, I don't know, if, maybe you weren't there. I was there. Okay, he's because he's, he's talking about yeah, you playing your character. The rest of us are going to make new characters who are going to be the crew of your ship. But he's also talking about you staying mm-hmm. on with your character and, and me rolling up another one. It's up to us to decide which which well, way he, we He's leaning towards following your story for like four or five sessions. I don't know. And then that. maybe go back to our story. Because yeah. I want to have the session where my character, because Tyler's out, Tyler's moved now, so Tyler, oh. the, the big uh. shooty guy. But my character gets to confront your character yeah everybody <laughs> is the whole you're gonna have to wait in line to shoot him because everybody wants to it will be awesome but if you haven't listened to that actual play listen to it because it was it was about it's about a six hour session yeah. i think it was a long session but uh a lot of stuff happened and that was in bill star wars traveler game so it was fun uh last email yeah. last email you want to read it? it too many npcs on the dance floor Sure. Too many NPC advice. And you recognize the 
Fight yeah. the Concords? Yeah. yeah. Too many, many dicks, dicks on, on the, the dance floor. floor. Too many dicks. What? Too many dicks. <laughs> I thought you were going to do it all. Too many Wait. cooks. Oh. Too oh. many cooks. You're, you're, not, you're not a Fight of the Concords fan? No. Too many dicks. Too many dicks. Too many dicks. Too many dicks on the dance floor. Yeah. I know that. Sorry. I love that song. It's, it's great. <clears throat> Uh, too many NPC advice and a short horror story from Mycroft. Greetings, douchebags. I heard on season 15, episode 1 last week, that Stu was expressing frustration in his Eldemy game that there are too many NPCs on the player's side and that it was slowing things down. Hello. That has been resolved. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, I have something that's worked well for me and others seem to like it. When combat starts, I have the NPCs split off to tackle an appropriate challenge. Whether it's all four of them surround an ogre or a pair or pair up to hold strategic points where goblin mooks could swarm in from, the idea is the same. Mechanically, they and the enemies are engaged in effective and are effectively removed from combat and are relegated to narration. After the PCs deal with the rest the real threat, you can narrate that the occupied enemies run away, are finally defeated by the NPCs, or whatever is needed to not prolong the combat. Or, if the NPCs are particularly weak versus the monsters they're fighting, one of them drops during combat and has a chance of dying, using some of the party's resources to heal them. <clears throat> if the NPCs are tasked with guarding a particular character, then they have that, then, then they have that be their primary goal. They'll get in front of ranged PCs to deflect arrows and fight back-to-back -back with the melee PCs to prevent them from being surprised. <clears throat> in this way, they're effectively not combatants, just a magic item that adds plus two to AC and prevents flanking. NPCs are all ranged, narrate that they're mainly in cover fire mode, making the enemy prefer to duck around cover, use fewer ranged attacks, etc., as long as it means not rolling their initiative, attacks, and damage. What do you think? For me, it <clears throat> it's let me uh, give off the, the feel of a bigger battle while still just focusing on the normal PC versus the bad guys while hand-waving unnecessary math slowdown. Hmm. Um... Did I? Why don't you finish you know, the email and then we'll like discuss? Well, uh, yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm wondering if I like cut no. in someone else's thing. No, don't worry. That's a PS. Just didn't change your font. A short gaming a short gaming horror story. Once a newish group was a few sessions into the, a game of groups. I'd never played before, but was willing to learn. So I asked if I could join in. Great, said the GM. We could use an extra. I was then handed a stack of five books and was told to create a character <laughs> off the cuff to the side while they ran their normal game. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, that's pretty rough. There were no cheeseburger-style incidents, but still not the best first impression. I lasted one session beyond that. Still hadn't fully finished making the character. Well, no shit. Uh, before, I, I had something come up and had prevented me from making future sessions. PPS drink if you wish. Also, haha, -ha, you said PP. That is not the way to introduce someone to GURPS. No, not a, not at all. <laughs> That's not the way to introduce anyone to any game. No, no, like, no. Here's, here's the books. You go sit alone and make your character, 
and we'll all have fun until you get done. Well, I love that, like, he used the phrase, we could use an extra. <laughs> it's not like, we could use another yeah. player. It's no, like, no. here, we could use cannon <coughs> fodder for this next game. Great. Oh, more. <laughs> I don't know about... I don't know. We, we've been used to, like, actually having the NPCs as combatants in the game. Because mm-hmm. two of them are mounts, and they're significant because they're rhinoceri. And you can't just, like, like in this incident that he described you like distracted them you can't necessarily distract a mount because it's being controlled it's c- by the right. pc although we did kind of resolve that we because did. either the mount attacks or the player attacks right never both right um and then the, the one of the other characters has four retainers but i i believe she now prima has two donna, fucking prima donna dear lord <laughs> yeah I, I think a couple of them spoilers may, may not be around later on dun, so. dun, dun. So that that's been resolved, but I, I, I think I, I would be okay with that if I had started with that. Yeah. And maybe in the future we'll hand wave. If there's an NPC, there will be like an extra thing that they mm-hmm. deal with. Uh, but but it, to me, I don't know. It just seems they have been such an integral part. It's like okay, now it's their turn. We're gonna have them, and sometimes they actually do stuff. Mm-hmm. And they they have damaged monsters. I mean, they have they haven't. The four of them together haven't killed anything, like the NPCs, but they have hurt things. Yes. So, I don't know. I don't Interesting. know. I don't know. I just combat's too long in D and D. Yeah, it really comes back combats. to us playing D and D. Well, I, 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 you know, it depends on the system you're using too. Yeah. I mean, D and D does not handle NPC allies well at all. No, it just does not. It assumes that you're going to have five PCs against five bad guys or one bad guy. Uh, but like, uh, you know, a system like Savage Worlds that is built to accept NPCs, it is more acceptable to do all the die rolling and crap for them because the game is sort of set up for that. And it specifically has systems in place like the players control the NPCs and stuff like that. I think the real point is that no player wants to sit and watch the DM take five minutes of turns where it's like I'm three NPCs and then I'm five monsters and whatever. Jesus Christ, yes. (laughs) <laughs> that that's yeah i mean that's ultimately the problem well it, so the it, the moving the npcs off camera to their part of the terrain i think that's totally a fine approach in a game like D&D. in in our game it has been tyler one of our players controlled the four npcs yeah he had like little character sheets for them, and like when it was when they, when it was their initiative because they had one initiative roll, he would do all their moves, and he was pretty quick about it. Yeah, and that worked out okay. But it, yeah, when when the, if the GM is controlling the monster, the bad guys, and the NPCs that are allied yeah. with the party, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, I'll tell you that I I have had NPCs in you know, as allies of my groups and they have helped out the PCs and I have been in control of them. And I am generally very good at taking the turns very quickly and just resolving their actions quickly. And I generally tend to keep their actions simple as a result. Like, oh, you know, that they bolo the halfling runs up and stabs the guy and, you know, roll a couple of dice and he and he hits for five damage and then just move on. And that's all it takes is one sentence. Right. But you then you have to be cognizant of it and you have to be able to resolve that shit really quickly. You know? But but other than that, moving them off camera, uh, that's cool and all, 
but it's also cool if you can then bring that stuff to the players like uh, you know, the players have their own battle while the NPCs are off fighting the orc minions, and then all of a sudden you point out, uh, oh, Bob, it's your turn, but as you as you take your turn, you notice that your your friend, the NPC, has gone down and the, the, the orc is hefting a great axe and it's about to cut his head off, where you can actually use that to drive some interesting decisions and ask the players, well, what do you value more? The lives of your NPCs or your own lives or the victory mm-hmm. or whatever? That sort of stuff is cool. If the NPCs are just, like, set dressing, then I don't think that's really doing any anybody any good. Mm. You know? I mean, it's nice. Yeah, sure. The NPC as a magic item, that works. <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I totally can see that in a situation where you just have this henchman who is nothing more than, like, uh, you know, you, you decided to bring along a bodyguard, and basically right. he's a plus two to your armor class or some shit like that. Yeah. That's totally fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. But if you can drive more interesting choices with the NPCs and still keep them off camera and away from all the mechanical resolution, that's cool too. Yeah. I, honestly, it's it's all down to what your table will tolerate. I th- I think that's true because I was just thinking about that as you spoke that uh, if everybody's kind of running an NPC for or a group of NPCs and it just that stuff starts to get really long. It, yeah, it can get crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a and a came up. Does Angry create published scenarios or modules? Ooh. Not yet. Yet. We'll, we'll, Foreshadowing. We'll put, yeah, we'll put an ellipsis on the end of that. Dun, 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 dun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're very excited about it, and we'll totally pimp whatever he comes out with. Yeah. Well, at some point, I'm going to have to run a scenario for you guys now, apparently. <laughs> I know. Yep. No, I'm not kidding. I totally will do that. We're not kidding either. (laughs) Time and date. It'll have to be after August 1st because the next month is going to be really chaotic as I'm trying to move to an entire another city. So, right. Are you, are you Chicago familiar? Not at all. I've never been there. Oh, that's very exciting. At least. Yeah. You're going to be in flyover country. No, Chicago is different. It's still flyover country. It is. I have agents in place there. I've got friends on the ground <laughs> who are checking things out. So. Any place with pizza that good like has my vote. Technically, like, I'm good at that. technically oh, with O'Hare, what? it's layover know. country. I come from New York, okay? I don't want to hear about the goddamn pizza in oh. Chicago. Chicago does not make pizza. It's okay? on. If oh, you yeah. do not have to fold a slice of pizza in <laughs> half and pour off the grease, it's not real pizza. No, you have to have a fork and a knife and cut I'm, it. I'm not even from there, but the guy I get pizza from... It's called Brooklyn Brick Oven Pizza. It's like giant yeah. and thick and like an yeah. actual pie and you have to cut it. Oh, no, it this is the, the folded over greasy. He's no, like, no. California's you know, have, like their pizza undercooked. Fold it in half and, uh, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's how you do pizza. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's like a funnel. You like, yeah. uh, drink the grease first. <laughs> drink the grease first. <laughs> oh, 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 hold on. Lokio in the chat is declaring war on me. Over oh, the- really? <laughs> People take pizza very seriously. Oh, all caps. Fuck you, angry. This means war. Wow. Maybe it's about the Meggings. Maybe it's the Meggings. You will lose. (laughs) (laughs) That's the closest thing I have to war. (laughs) It is good. 
Uh, uh, was that from F Troop? <laughs> the end of the Civil War was near and quite accidentally. Sorry. It's okay. Great, I found people old enough to get that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. F Troop was fucking hysterical. Absolutely. Yeah, Who's in that? I don't know. Agarn and Sergeant. No, what's his no, name? that was um, Spencer and Tracy, wasn't it? No. no. Like an Ernest Borgnine thing yeah, or something? It's no. the same. You know, I know what you're referencing. Really- there was a children's show called Spencer, Tracy, and Kong, and the guy that played what? Spencer Tracy was the guy right, from Right, right. That's what I'm doing. That was the. the <laughs> That's what you're part. referencing. Yes, yeah. that was the problem. And it was the <laughs> actors from that. Yeah, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> what? I, hey, don't know, know, I don't know why everyone says you're so dumb. <laughs> Who says what? I'm dumb? You Wait, no? Really? No. I'm not dumb. I'm drunk. Never saw uh-uh. F-Troop is awesome. It was so funny. You should oh, maybe it'll be on Netflix and I'll see it there. You could probably I doubt watch it's on Netflix. Is it? It's probably on Nick at Night. I was gonna say Nick at Night is the bomb. I don't I don't have cable. We should probably yeah, call no, it because it's like eleven. I know. Somebody said four hour barrier a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're it we're is, just it barely over two. Yeah. Here now. Uh, <laughs> is it really? Holy this shit. is what happens when we have angry and me back on one episode. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of talking. Well, Kimmy and I have a lot of chemistry. So we do. <laughs> yes. Especially on Twitter, you should it's, follow us it's both sort on of Twitter. The explosive chemistry. Yeah, it's like phosphorus yeah. and water, <laughs> but yeah, it's oh, chemistry. Yeah, they, yeah. Especially on Twitter, I'm like, oh, that's nice. He's like, fuck you. We're not having a moment. I'm like, okay, okay, we're not having a moment. It's okay. Back off! Don't touch me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> chemistry like sodium and water. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, those people. Okay. I think one was Larry oh. Storch, and then the other Jody, one. Was- I'm Mayberry, That's it. Whatever. Yeah. Larry Storch, and what's his name? Barry. Barry. Barry something. Ken and then, Barry. And the hot blonde chick. Why does she have like him? a '70s haircut with like Civil War? Shut uniforms. up about Wrangler like Jane. Okay. Wrangler Jane is awesome. Okay. That's what her name is. Just checking. Yeah, yeah it's Wrangler Jane. Wrangler Jane. Awesome. I'm going to save that for my next character name. That's amazing. Wrangler Larry Jane. Storch. That's, that That's a great Larry traveler Storch. name. There you go. That's what, we're going to start call, calling Stork Storch. Larry Storch. Storch. Yeah. It's not, you wouldn't be the first one. People Larry have done it before. Storch. Should we call it? Uh, maybe. I'm know. still sober. I don't know. I'll, we might have more time in us. I know. I, I, There's a little bit I, more wine left. I know. I need to drive I home. Can- <laughs> hey, I got nothing to do in the morning. I can keep going. Yay. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Last time I was I can't. I got to go. Uh, okay. Yeah, Stork has a family. <laughs> I got to no, work in the morning. Oh, I I miss you when you're oh, gone. What's wrong with you, man? It's a Saturday. <laughs> I know. I got a yoga class tomorrow too. I yeah. got to work. Oh Jesus! See, yoga. I'm supposed yeah. to be coaching health. <laughs> Sweating classes. out all that wine. It'll be great. Do it. Oh yeah. Look up. Look up the video. If Gandhi did yoga, it's it's a hilarious video from College Humor. It it contains the line, "Bitch, you do know this is my actual religion, right?" <laughs> And you totally have to find it. It's great. <laughs> oh, I've been told there's another in the Q and A. Oh, oh, there's an, oh, yeah. What is Angry's preferred RPG? Ooh, what? Um, I don't have one because I haven't written it yet. Ah. Oh, I but, have. Okay. Uh, no, you haven't. <laughs> no, he has. You, you, moment you, of truth. You honestly think you can satisfy me there? Oh still? yeah. I, I, I heard with this whole story gamey, I'm afraid of min-maxers bullshit. Nope. Yeah, no, no. No, I've come up with the, the ultimate the the ultimate mechanic to to fuck with min-maxers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yes. It's th- there's a Benny mechanic in it, but you only get a Benny when you elect oh. to fail at a 
die roll. Ooh. See, that is and they won't fucking shit. do it. <laughs> of course they won't do it. You know why? <laughs> People don't want to fail at things. Well, okay, min-maxers don't want to fail at things. No, nobody wants to fail at things. Failure doesn't I, feel good. That's why we call it failure. That's I did not true. We played Blood Blade oh, and don't Tusk even start. because <laughs> the mechanic worked differently then, yeah. and you could fail, and then you could just go ahead the next time and use it right, to right. Do you know what that role. is? That's a bribe. <laughs> you know why you have to bribe people to fail? Because they don't want to fail at things. No, there, there was that time where I failed that hacking on the the keypad, and I destroyed a whole underwater city. But you rolled that. Yeah, but I'm saying it was pretty. It was pretty. It epic. changed the game. It was really <laughs> interesting. Would you have chosen that role before you knew what the outcome was going to be? That's what the point of a role is, though. <laughs> It's exactly. like that chance, and then like, but, but right. so we would not be talking about it like five years later if I'd actually succeeded. Like nobody would give a fuck. Oh, they saved the city. That's great. It's like no, she destroyed right. millions would, of lives. You would it was be amazing. talking about something completely different from that game. That's true. Yeah. True. Right. But the failure no, was very feet. rewarding in the long run. This is the problem, okay? If you are bribing your players to want to fail at things, you are now asking them to do things that their characters don't want to do, and they are no longer role-playing because they are no longer making the decisions their characters would make. But their what about compels and fate? Compels and fate are bullshit because oh. fate sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel like that's a, a topic of a whole other podcast. <laughs> fate, fate is not a role-playing game. I said it. Wait, what? Uh, wait, 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 wait. You rule dice and everything. D&D is morally deficient. It's Wrong one. No, wait. It wait. is educational. There. <laughs> I, we missed Stor's, Stork's hair is great when it, there was supposed to be a cue. Mm. Stork's wait. hair is great. <laughs> go. That's my favorite. No, no. Fate, fate is a role-playing role. game. It is a role-playing game. No, it's not. What is it? Fiasco isn't a role-playing game. Fiasco's not a role-playing game, but but Fiasco never claimed to be. Fate claims to be a role-playing game, but that's a big old lie. It's not. How's <laughs> it, it is a lie? lie. How's it a lie? It is a lie. Because the players are encouraged to make decisions that the characters wouldn't necessarily make. No, it You're compels a darker, a no, no, troubled no, no. aspect no, 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 of that no, no, no. character. No. No, no, no. No. Okay. No, take, just no. That's his argument. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Period <laughs> and a fucking sentence. Like multiple no's in a row is the logic. I have a sixth of a bottle of vodka left. My argument is no. Just no. <laughs> Believe me, if I were sober, I could argue this. Far Shouting more someone down is a legitimate arguing tactic. <laughs> On podcast. No, no. Okay. I mean, I no, could. No. I could seriously explain it though. Okay. Okay. Take Harry Dresden in the Dresden Files, which is like okay. the er example of the fate system. Mm -hmm. Okay, he has this aspect called um, what I I I I do what I do and things catch fire or something, sh some shit like that. Like it just reflects this aspect that he never intends to hurt people or cause chaotic damage, but it always just seems to happen around him, right? Mm -hmm. 
So as a player in Fate, you are encouraged to create situations where even though Harry Dresden does not want to put innocence in danger and does not want to cause wanton destruction and damage, that happens anyway. So you as a player are now making a decision that Harry Dresden would not make. You're not role-playing. You're not playing as Harry Dresden. You're playing as the author who writes about Harry Dresden's life. Well, you're, you're, you're kind of taking narrative control from the GM slightly. Is what you're well, doing. Yeah, no, no, and that's the point. But the point is, you're not playing Harry Dresden. You're not making the decisions Harry Dresden would make. You're making decisions on a level of. Okay, well, Dresden. let me let me let me you're see if I can couch decisions this. He doesn't want to happen. I, I think we that's might be. Ag- I think we might be agreeing here. Mm-hmm. Fate is not well, a game because I'm right. Fate. <laughs> fate is not a game where the player is going to be immersed in their character and is going to act as if they are their character. You mean a game in which they're not playing the role oh. of their character? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so then it's not really a role-playing I think, game. I think, <laughs> I think he's saying you didn't create a role-playing game, Stu. No, I did. I know. No, I, no, I no, did. I, Mine I mean, is. Look, all right, this is not one of those things where assholes get online and say, oh, Fate's not really a role-playing game and it's bullshit. And, you know, I'm not using that to like exclude Fate and say it doesn't count as a game. Fate is totally a game, and it's totally, for what it does, it's a good game, even though I hate it and it's bullshit. <laughs> okay, I will admit, objectively, f- there is nothing wrong with Fate. However... The player's motives in that game do not always align with the character's motives. And therefore, the player is not always truly playing the role of the character. I don't, I don't, I disagree. I don't, I don't understand how that would be. I think, let let me elucidate slightly. Okay. There was the great crunch debate. Do you remember the great crunch debate from like season four or season three? Where Tappy and I had a shouting argument about. Tappygate about the the, the <laughs> definition of the term crunch. Oh man! And he yeah. made the statement that fate was a very crunchy game. Mm-hmm. Now oh, he yeah, used totally he, to, to me crunch meant math. Mm-hmm. Fate is not a math heavy game. Correct. His definition of crunch was when the mechanics of the game intrude on oh, the no. role playing. Fiddly bits. Yeah. Absolutely. And fate absolutely is a game where you are constantly thinking about the mechanics of the game rather than what your character would do. Fate, I, I, let me add to that. Uh-oh. Fate is a game that is constantly bribing the players to make decisions the characters would not make if they were not real people in the situations they were facing. I, I don't agree with that. Well, I mean, I, if, if, I, you're co- if you're compelling against, like, negative aspects... Right, yeah. Like, if someone uh, uh, has some kind of weakness or a drug addiction or something like that... Yeah. People do make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. True. Agreed. Constantly. And it is a game mechanic to encourage the player to have the character make that bad decision, which may not mm-hmm. necessarily be for the quote-unquote benefit of the player, but may make a more compelling story, maybe? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is also used to have the player make decisions that create more interesting stories for the character that usually are not decisions the character would make. But they... It- 
in general, a character does not want a more interesting life. Characters want less interesting lives because interesting is usually dangerous. But many of us, like for instance me, get married over and over again yeah. and end up having a more interesting life than we would really like to have. Exactly, because <laughs> sure. that is your character flaw. <laughs> right. That is your trouble. <laughs> that is the number two that you get to, yeah, the aspect on your right. character sheet is that you occasionally make that decision that isn't in your best interest. And so that's what right, that GM is saying. This is the thing, though, <laughs> is that fate does not... But fate does not distinguish between aspects that are narrative-based and aspects that are motivational. In fact, fate, if you read it very closely, encourages you to write aspects that are narrative-based, that are based on things that happen to the character rather than things that the character chooses to make happen. Fate, like, if you read how fate advises you to write aspects, it actually advises you to write aspects as if you were writing the back cover of the novel about the character's life. And unfortunately, the back cover of the novel about the character's life is not written by the character. It's actually written by the author who wants the character to get into as much trouble as possible. So there's an interesting story to tell. But that puts you in the position of screwing over your own character to create a better story. Which we so you're not really role playing. No, no, I don't agree. I don't disagree that it's not a good game. And I don't disagree that it's not fun. And I don't disagree that it gives you narrative control. But I'm saying that the moment you have narrative control, that and you is a cease level to be role playing. Control over the character's actions. Right. You're no longer purely role playing. You're no longer making decisions based solely on the decisions the character would make. You're now making decisions based on what you think would make the I, best story about the character. Here, here's why I disagree. I, I think because I do understand what you're saying. And I, mm -hmm. in in essence, do not disagree with what you're saying, but because I'm uh, right. No, well, <laughs> the dice are a randomizer, right? So sure. I make a compelling argument to sway a group of townsfolk that they should rally behind me and my adventuring friends, and you know, uh, you know, stand against this horde that's coming into town. So I fail my fucking roll, and then I have to. You know, even if I had bonuses or whatever, there is a reason I failed at the thing that I was trying to do. And mm -hmm. I did not succeed. So the story that I was creating and the character, uh, you know, the, the progression that I was having as that character, this is what I'm going to do, this is the momentum I have, this is my intent, is now foiled by the dice mm -hmm. that are the randomizer. So I have sure. to make peace with the fact that, okay, how, how does this fail? Why does this fail? What happened? You know, did I have an enemy in the crowd of townspeople or did I? So I think fate works that same way. So if I have a trouble aspect that, in fact, I just played a fate game a week or mm -hmm. so ago, my trouble was in love with the shield maiden. And within mm -hmm. the game that I was playing, uh, my brother was married to a shield maiden. I could have made this shield maiden any shield maiden. But if the GM says, what about uh, you're in love with that shield maiden? Mm -hmm. So I have intent as a character. I have decided what I'm doing. I have my actions. I'm going forward. But the GM says, wait, wait, wait a second. But you're in love with that shield maiden. You're in love with the shield maiden. And I can say, yeah, but fuck that. I'm doing this thing. Or I can go, yeah. I am in love with that shield maiden. 
I'm not going to do this thing I'm going to do. I'm going to do this other thing because of that aspect of my character. How How well, is that? Well, number one, what if you're out of fate points? Then, I'm, then, you, no, then you no longer have a say. What if I'm out okay, of bennies? That, that's number one. Right, well, we already I'm said Benny's suck. That Benny's are I, awesome I, I have said that Benny's are a shit mechanic. I hate them. <laughs> but, no, no. But what I'm saying is that I'm not talking about you and the mecha- the aspects that you chose. Mm-hmm. I am looking at the system itself. I am looking at fate as written and the way it tells you how to write aspects. And it encourages you to write aspects that are not necessarily based on your character's mm-hmm. motivations. And it treats them exactly the same as benefits that are tr- are based on your character's motivations. Okay? I'm not saying anything negative about fate. That's the important thing. I mean, I have said negative things about fate because I hate it. <laughs> but putting those aside, there is nothing negative in saying that it is not the same as a game in which you make decisions purely motivated based on your character's desires and the outcomes are out of your control. What? I've never played Fate. I've only read <laughs> oh, the book. I know. We have to uh, we have to no, remedy no, this. Horrible. Yeah, we uh I'll run Fate for you. Yeah. Would I you do that? <laughs> Let's do this. That would be amazing. Gonna, okay, now we're it's two games. It's two games now. It's gonna be a dungeon now world game. Games. It's gonna be a game I want and then Yeah. Fate. Like a dungeon world game, the secret shh, don't tell anybody you like it. Mm-hmm. And then oh, the, I'll totally run dungeon world for you guys. It'll be a blast. Oh, yeah, I, I've, I've always Stu wanted needs to play dungeon to play. world. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a great. And idea. then oh, fate, yeah, a game you world. hate. I, I hate fate, but a good GM <laughs> can run anything. It doesn't matter. Absolutely what true. Uh, I think point. that's true. Another bumper okay. sticker. But like, I, it's important. <laughs> I need to go out on this because now that the chat is talking about how terrible I am. He is they terrible. Are. He is terrible. And I need to go out on this point. Number one, the chat is saying that my games are not collaborative, and that is complete Wait, horseshit. <laughs> okay? I don't uh, even believe that. I believe it. collaborative. It's just that the only things the players have control of are the decisions that the characters make. And I, as a GM, are, am beholden to respond to whatever decisions they make. So in as that any respect, good GM should, right? Precisely, and so in that respect, the outcome of any story that I run in any game I run is an outcome that could only have been achieved by those characters in those situations, making those decisions. That said, no, I don't give my players a lot of narrative control because I would rather that their control be limited only to projecting themselves into the head of their characters and making the decisions their characters would make absent any narrative considerations. As the GM, it is my job to turn whatever decisions the characters make into an interesting story. But I do not want the characters sitting, the players sitting there thinking, what would make the best story? I want them thinking, what would the decision that my character makes be? And I want them to deal with the consequences of that choice. And in that respect, no, I don't run fate because it plays loosey goosey with that motivation. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hear that. I, mm-hmm. I can definitely understand that. But I'm not saying fate is bad. Please don't email me. It is yeah. bad. Oh no, email me. I'm not saying that right now. 
I'll, I'll, I'll make angry at happyjacks.org mm. and forward it right to your email address. <laughs> and then people yeah, can like that. send you. <laughs> Uh, DT Pints put, at, put says, it all under one email address so that I can then block that. Uh, yeah. DT Pints, uh, DT Pints wants you to do an, an actual play, and if you run I a know, game for us, we'll do it online and I'll record it and I'll put it out. Exactly. Everybody wants me to do an actual play, and there's two obstacles. Number one, I don't want to record and edit the shit. Okay, because uh, I don't uh, let me let me tell you something because I, I'm a really good sound editor. Yeah. I will not uh-huh. fucking edit oh, no, anything absolutely. that has to do with role-playing games. No. Mm-hmm. Nothing your, at all. Your games sound fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I can't listen to an actual play, but if I could listen to an actual play, I could <laughs> probably listen to your actual plays the most. Yeah. True. And they're completely unedited. Like, all the bullshit... Bullshit fucking... Except Bill's, Bill edits his, but I do not well, edit yeah. mine. Mine... The, the, and... and all two, the eating sounds, like yep, it's all food there. arriving, yes, like, yeah, they, no, are, no, they are beloved. I'm gonna have to ban eating into the microphone while I'm running okay. the game. The the the. But the, sorry, the, the here here's the thing that I've noticed when when you are recording the game, mm-hmm. it tends to make the side conversations. And kind of the like the the so all the BS stuff that kind of slows your game down, it minimizes it. Doesn't make get rid of it, but no. it minimizes it. So you get m- actually more game mm-hmm. in. I, I've I have found, and mm-hmm. I can I can tell you exactly the kind of equipment you would need to get in order to produce a top notch sounding role playing game. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want I have no interest. But if you want <laughs> me to come on and do an actual play for mm-hmm. you guys, I totally. Okay. That'd be fun. The other obstacle yeah. that I have had to an actual play, and this is going to sound really funny, and this is me kind of stripping away the mask for a moment. And I'm going to admit this to this is just a secret between the three of uh, four of us, mm-hmm. five of us. I don't know. Stork had to leave. Stork, Stork, Stork had to. Okay. He has Stork, to go to work Stork at four. Stork gave up. Yeah. 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 It's two fifteen in the morning, and I stuck it out. But Stork's <laughs> gonna go. He has to work tomorrow. No. Okay. So between the four of us, here is the secret. Don't tell anyone. All right. Every GM is absolutely terrified of judgment. I don't care who the GM is. Yep, Every absolutely. GM is terrified of being judged because sure. they know they're putting on a show. Now, here's the thing. I've spent five years online telling people half as a joke that I am the best GM in the goddamn world. <laughs> Aww. The minute I put on that actual play... That judgment is going to come back to me tenfold. Oh, oh yeah. Tell me about it. This is, I mean, this is it. where we came Look. in with the... <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> there is literally a tiny voice in my head that is absolutely terrified to put a serious game of mine online. And you know what? I don't give a shit. I will run right. a game. You give me the forum, I will run a game anyway because a GM is a... To be a GM, it's all about knowing that you are terrified of being judged, but being judged anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's what GMing is. It's all about overcoming fear. And because, sir, what is the sexiest thing? Meggings. Meggings. And confidence. <laughs> oh, oh right? yeah, Fucking that. confidence. I was going to say Meggings. Oh, yeah. And Meggings. And I bleed confidence out of it. See, there you go. <laughs> so, and Meggings. 
Bring it but on. But you know what? I mean, we all have that, like, let's admit it. Every GM, and in fact, every player, everybody who sits down at the role-playing table, we all have that fear that we're going to be revealed as the imposter someday. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's where that whole geek cred thing gets at you. When someone challenges Ugh. your geek cred, like, uh-huh. are you really a fan of this? Don't even fucking get me started in that <laughs> But the reason it gets to you, the reason it bothers you, is because in the back of your mind, you literally do have this fear that you are not worthy of being a fan of the things you claim to be a fan of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your own self-worth that's at stake. Mm-hmm. It's not about... Because it's just some asshole in a comic book shop, and who cares? Because <laughs> it's some asshole <laughs> who lives in his parents' basement. You know, so who gives a shit about his judgment? But it gets to you because at the back of your mind, at the back of every person's mind, is the fear that we're all imposters, that we're all just playing this role, and we're going to be outed someday and humiliated for it. But that's everyone. I'm sorry. As oh, someone cool, who's dealt- slow clap. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, and like, yeah. like that was like an emphatic. Like, I totally yeah. agree with you, slow clap. It was not like the sarcastic slow clap. As somebody who's like walked around conventions and then been like the yeah. the girl, and they're like, "Oh, are you here with your boyfriend?" It's like, no, actually, yeah. my boyfriend's here with me. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's yeah. like everyone doubting you and having to feel like you have to prove yourself every time you sit down at a table, whether you're the GM or the a player. It's like that's so true. Like but- you nailed it. But you know what? I also want to say, I know that to some extent there is a gender issue in that problem also, but it is not entirely a gendered problem. No, absolutely not. Absolutely everybody who is in a... Because you know what? We are hardwired as human beings to want to be a part of a tribe. Totally. We need to. It's essential to survival. Way back when, we needed to be a part of a tribe just so that we could get all of the the survival... survival resources we needed so being ostracized from the tribe was a death sentence well over 20,000 or 50,000 years of evolution or whatever that has been hardwired into our brain now so anytime you are challenged as whether you belong to a tribe or not that is literally a life or death thing in the back of your lizard brain. That piece well, the, of I was trying to keep just you alive. Just going to say that the do I eat it, fuck it, or kill it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly. It's like, yeah. I mean, no matter how how much your cerebral cortex or whatever the big yep. part of your brain is called that I would know if I wasn't drunk and it wasn't two fifteen in the morning. <laughs> I know. The rest of your brain is still at that eat it, fuck it, or run from it. Yep. Mode. And you're always going to have that. And the sad thing is, we no longer face those challenges. I mean, that's not sad. It's great that we don't have to go out and worry about being eaten by tyrannosaurs or whatever the hell it was. (laughs) But at the same time, you go to a convention and someone says, you're not really a Batman. You're wearing a Batman t-shirt. But do you really know in what issue that he recruited Jason Todd as Robin? That's our fear. It's the sociological equivalent yeah. of i i don't have to it's like that zombie thing i don't have to be the best i just have to un- outrun you right. thing so it's yeah, like sure. i just got to be better than you and then i'm you know mm-hmm. then i survive yeah absolutely okay i i i think that on our next podcast where angry's on mm-hmm. we should have no emails and no topic and we should just fucking rant about shit okay. for like that, two and a half hours awesome. I isn't that what we do anyway a, we'll just have a two-hour rant about whatever. i like it yeah i feel like it would like just go in amazing directions we'd end up with uh-huh. some really existential like discussion that's about what they were saying they're things. like uh what what was it something about t- 2 a.m podcast talking about it gets deep. 
Okay, DT Pines in the chat is saying the problem I have with Angry's MO is that his ironic embracing of Angry Gamers is that it perpetuates the stereotype. No. I get it, but it's still too much focus on the negativity for me. And you know what? Damn straight, you are 100% right. And one of the biggest challenges I have faced in deciding to be the Angry GM is that no matter how angry I pretend to be, because I'm really not, the fact of the matter is I can't keep up with the bullshit that's actually out there there but now i've kind of made oh my, my bed and i have to get fucked in it <laughs> so, oh yeah i don't i don't know how to step back from it i mean i've made this identity i just have to live with it at this point but you're 100 right if i was starting out today i wouldn't choose the angry gm thing i would go totally in a different direction oh see i feel like but, it's giving you great attention and i think it's it's great to pr- kind of uh play off the stereotype but i've never read your um, tweets or whatever on social media specifically because that's where we interact the most and taking mm-hmm. it in a serious way. I feel like in a great way it points out flaws kind of in the gaming community without like being mean-spirited about it. Well, that's that's exactly what I always tried to do. I always tried to be a parody, but the danger in trying to be a parody of anything is that you seriously. become indistinguishable from the thing you are parodying. Yeah, right. that's true. And I think that's just oh, because people are morons. I can't <laughs> What yeah, damn straight. He said, I can't, I can't quit, quit you, you angry. <laughs> Dang uh, it, I can't quit you angry. <laughs> he does have the galaxy pants on. He does. He does have, yeah. The leggings. The, the nebulizers. I love how he keeps like flashing his <laughs> And the Jupiter pants. All right. We should call Last it now. Time I was we on, by the way, I was wearing the black on black ones. Nice. So, nice. So you know. Now that Jib is here, we'll, we'll call it. Call hey, Jib. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah, Jib, Jib came in. I'm assuming to pick up Gina. He's yes. your okay. stunt double. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I do want to add one thing. Okay. Go ahead. Any Uh-oh. GM who tells you that when they step up to the end of a table to start a game, they're not terrified, they are lying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, you are so or drunk. Right. I have been asked the question. Like, I, I had one of my players, he stepped up to run a game once. And I got to give props to any one of my players. It was Sean. Sean, if you're listening, and I know you're not because you don't <laughs> listen to all my bullshit anymore. But Sean, it was really brave of you to step up and run a game, especially because my players are terrified of following my act, so to speak. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he, he had asked me, it's like, when does this stop being scary? And I said, hey, when you get to that point, let me know. Because <laughs> it's been 27 fucking years and I'm still terrified of my players. Every time. Well, I mean, many of us mm-hmm. come from a stage performance background. Right. Where right. you get up on stage in front of hundreds of people oh, really. to do stuff. <laughs> not angry. And yeah. it's, being a GM is very similar to that. Yeah. In fact, yep. I think being a GM, GM is more intimidating than being a performer on a stage because being a performer on the stage there are so many people mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. in the audience that it starts to homogenize into the audience right mm-hmm. they become a mass rather than an individual whereas if you come up to a table of five or six players uh-huh. those are individual there's not enough yep. of them for the for it to be the audience those are individual people and they each come with their own expectations. Yeah, they might you know be similar. What? They might not be similar. But it, it, it I, I personally find because I still get stage fright every time I do a show. I mean, really, I, I will, really, absolutely. When I, when I do, even at fair, wow, when I do three show, four shows a day Jesus. for seven weekends, 
every time I get up on stage, my heart flutters. No wow. wonder every time. Jesus. And <laughs> it is not as bad as when I st- sit up to to GM a game. Interesting. Are you really? Yeah, you know what me. it is? I'm gonna say I I totally agree with that. I have not been on stage since 1998. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I can't say what it's like now because it's been a long time, but the difference is exactly what you said. When you step up on stage, it's a mass of people. It's a sweet. It's a sea of faceless masses. Yes. But when you step up in front of these people, these people are your friends. Exactly. And these people are people you've made a promise to. As a GM, when you get behind that screen, you are making a promise. You are promising, I am going to deliver you for the next five hours the most entertaining shit you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I am better than any video game you can play. I am better than any movie you can play. I've asked you to put in a lot of hard work i've asked you to make characters i've asked you to come on time i've asked you to make all these sacrifices so that we can get the game together and i'm going to give you the best game possible and if you fail in any respect you have failed five of your closest friends right yeah i feel also like there's a flip on that too when you're on stage in front of an audience they don't necessarily know what you're responsible for so if Mm -hmm. i wrote a song and i think it's like awful and they don't think it's funny at all they don't necessarily know it's me it was your song yeah they don't know it was my song like there's like nine people singing it on stage who knows whose song it was where when you're the gm like you're the person and everybody sitting there knows you're responsible for it yeah you're the the titanic into the iceberg exactly and they know you're the one steering that fucking ship it's crazy Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's a nice combination between that, you know, kind of the the mass audience. You know, I really like the point with you saying that, uh, like, your five closest friends, because that's often who we are gaming with. Mm-hmm. But right. also there is nobody else. If that yeah. falls flat, there's no one to be like, oh, that was there. That was not yep. me. But not yeah, that I would ever do that. Then you look at the other side, like, okay, I'm running a convention game, or I'm running a game at a game store for strangers. And then you look at the dynamics of that, and it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I agreed to the organizers of this convention that I would run this game for people who paid to be here. And so suddenly you have that responsibility. Mm -hmm. And when it's the game store, it's like, I, I am taking this game store's table and their time, and I am running this game. Uh, for the game store and for these people. And again, it's a marketing thing. So no matter what, you feel this tremendous sense of responsibility to whoever has asked you to run that game. As a GM, you're almost never running games just for you. True. If the game fails, you haven't failed yourself. You know what it is? I'm going to get back to a scene in the movies that always makes me cry. Okay. Okay. The Muppet movie. (laughs) I love the Muppet movie. It's great. Remember the tearjerker where Kermit is in the desert. Yeah, it's right before Gonzo sings that song about I'm going to get back there someday, which yeah. is such a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. But when Kermit is wandering around the desert and he's talking to the hallucination of himself, and he's like arguing with himself, he's like, "I never promised anyone any success." And then his hallucination turns around and says, "Yeah, you did. You promised yourself." And then Kermit, like, he does that crinkle face that he does where the Mm -hmm. guy pulls his hands back. And he realizes that, yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, even though he was living for all these people, he was living with the, for these people because he genuinely loved them. And they put all their faith in him, and he sold them on this thing. Mm -hmm. And if he fails them, he's failing himself. And it's it's that moment, that's GMing in a nutshell, right yeah. there, is that moment. It's, Kermit, you failed yourself. 
Yep. Metaphorically yeah. speaking. Yes. Yeah. Now, I will say uh -oh. that when people pull my closer. You're gonna you're gonna like contradict go. the Muppet movie. Cry. No 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 no. Just like mic drop. No 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 no. I am in one thousand percent agreement with that. As a matter of fact, I'm tearing up just remembering the scene from the movie. But no, um, the the thing I wanted to say was those five people who sat down at your table are predisposed to like what you do. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe. It doesn't feel that way. No, it, no, it does not. No, no it does not. But and no matter how much the logical part of your brain says these are my friends and they will cut me slack, the part of your brain that is terrified of the judgment of other people says these are my friends. I owe them the most, and if I fail them, they will never say that I failed them. But I will always know it, and yeah. that's worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're you're right. We should also say to everyone who is too afraid to GM, and we're not helping them right now. No. Except we are. Okay, because we're not lying. Yeah. GMs always lie. It's like, no, no, get behind the screen. It'll be fine once you do a couple of sessions. No, it's never fun. But the players who sit down at the table really do want to have fun. And they're going to try their level best to find the fun in whatever it is you're doing. Yes. And they are going to work with you uh -huh. in most cases. Yes. Mm -hmm. So for those people who are like sitting on the fence and wondering about whether they should try GMing, try do. It. You yes. should. Do. Yeah. You totally should. Because the players yeah. are on your side. Yeah. And that feeling of panic. It's it's all you. It, when you <laughs> it's all you. And it doesn't go away. But it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we right. all feel that way, well, so it's okay for you to feel that turn way. Turn that into the 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 positive energy. <laughs> you guys are all, I, went, I went to yoga, right? You guys are right? all so sweet and awesome and like <laughs> ideological, and I'm reading the chat room where they're talking about Brokeback Meggings. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, no, no. Hold on. Because this is it. This is the ultimate contradiction about courage, right? This is yeah. like... Courage is not about not having fear. It's about having the fear, but doing Facing what needs it. to be done anyway. Yep. Right. That's right. You know, yep. But you will never be a good GM if you if you do not if you're afraid and you don't do it because of the fear. You are a good GM because you do it in spite of the fear. And at the end of the day, everybody mm -hmm. had a good time, and you yep. realize you are the worst judge of yourself. Yep. And nobody else at that table is judging nearly as harshly as you are judging yourself. And you walk out of that game that night, and everything seems to have gone fine. Now, of course, by next week, you'll be judging yourself again. You'll be terrified yeah. again. Right. I, but that session will end. The session will end, will and you will judge yourself. I would assert that if you set up, step up to the end of the table to run a game and you don't feel that way, that's when you're going to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Damn straight. Yeah. Probably. Uh, baby cakes in the forum. I'm terrified of running my first con game at Gateway, which is our <gasps> nice. upcoming con. Uh, I can't let these strangers down. My game has to be perfect. It, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be perfect. No. No, nope, you're will, right. There is no perfect. perfect. There is no perfect. And the thing is, is they won't necessarily know if it's not perfect. Like, and that's the thing you really need to realize is they don't know how the story is going to go. So if you mess some things no, up no. and it doesn't go quite Hold along on. the program, like... 
they're not going to know. They're going to have a great it, time. It anyway. does. It won't matter no, no, what no, no, you no, do okay. in that moment. Nothing you're saying is helping baby cakes right now. Baby cakes, <laughs> let me address you directly. Okay? Yes. Baby cakes, I'm looking right into the camera. You're damn right. It has to be perfect. And you have everything on the line with these people. And it's going to be terrifying as shit. But you're going to get up there and you're going to do it anyway. And at the end of the game, you're going to have it in the back of your head. Did yeah. I do it perfect or not? But the fact is, they're going to walk away having had a good time. And you know what? If they don't have a good time and they walk away hating it, that's still no reason to walk away from it because nobody is good at something the first time they do it. And the only way you get good at something is by doing it over and over and over again. So even if you fail, the only thing that will create success from that is that you keep getting up there and doing it again. So you're right. It does have to be perfect. And those people are judging you. And Stu and everybody else is lying to you and saying it doesn't have to be perfect. You're right. It does have to be perfect because you're going to walk out of there after that game going over every little thing in the back of your head that went wrong. And there's no way around that. But you're still going to get back behind that screen for the second game and the third game and the fifth game. And after 27 years of doing it, it's going to feel okay. And let me just say, cheat on your dice rolls. That helps. <laughs> no, 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 a screen or two ago. Gollum? For Gollum. Oh. Yeah, I keep seeing that. I was keep hoping people would forget. <laughs> you've had skulls full. Do it. Do so like you can a, do it. Yeah, you've had like skulls full you know, of vodka. So yeah, <laughs> get the goat's blood out of the refrigerator. So you can do it. There's so many different voices. I don't want to become just the Gollum voice. No, but it makes Pick people happy. Okay, well, well, just for, for my own, give me like, this is the angry GM. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. And do that in like three or four different voices. Go. Okay. This is the Angry GM, and you're listening to Happy Jack's Podcast. And it's my precious, because they loves me. No, nobody loves you. Yes, the Happy Jack's Podcast loves me. No, they hate you. No, no, we choose them. We choose the Happy Jack's Podcast. And then we have the precious Tom Wow. Oh my god, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that actually kind of hurts to do oh, that. Sorry. In my voice and in my brain. Because there's things happening there that I don't like. You're in the dark places. <laughs> but we like it. We no, do. in the dark places. <laughs> we like it. Is there another one? Do another voice. Do I know. Voice. What was that other one you did? I told somebody it was like the wall or something. You, the that, wall? I don't know. What was that really? What? I don't know what the fuck that voice was one. last time. We got Whatever an acid? Pick a different one. Yeah, maybe. Hey there. Hey there. You're listening to the angry... Uh, damn it. Hold on. Stop. Okay. Cut. Redo. Yeah, it is. Hi. You're listening to Happy Jack's podcast with our special guest, the angry GM. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Kermit. That's awesome. Okay. Do another one. Do another one. I know. Oh God! <laughs> you were doing Rocky or or uh, oh really somebody before? Wait, I can I can do like the Cave of Wonders dragon. That's what it was. Hey! Cave of Wonders, yeah. not the wall. Oh yeah. Sorry. 
You're listening to the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. And beer. Nice. Screw Chicago. Come out to LA and yeah. play voiceover. Yeah. That's, that's, right. that's amazing. I don't know. Gateway, September <laughs> something something and something something. Fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Yeah, that's correct. And, and when the moons align, I can actually do Bobcat Goldthwait. Ooh. Really? Uh, but yeah, it's kind of random. I open my mouth and I don't know whether it's going to come out right or not. <laughs> well, we always edit our podcast, so you might as well try now. Right? All right. Uh, <clears throat> you listen to the Happy Jacks RPG podcast, <laughs> and they got the angry GM. He, he's talking about it right now with the RPG games. You should listen to them. <laughs> that was awesome. But, but, that, that was but that's excellent. old. That's Police Academy. Oh yeah, the Wolf is calling it Doctor Claw. Oh. Yeah, Claw. <laughs> I'll get you next time, Gadget. <gasps> Cave of <laughs> Wonders, not the wall. Oh my God, my childhood just like came flooding back. No, to no, it is, but it's the Cave of Wonders too. It touched nothing but the but lamb. the lamb. Yeah. Yeah, no, Did you say your childhood just came? <laughs> came back to me. She oh, said, okay, right. "It's back. Back gadget. Come on!" <laughs> right, <'cause> that- wow. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna need a microphone. I just coughed vodka into that one. Well, I don't know about our about Kimmy, but half of our listeners just did. <laughs> Vodka's good for microphone diaphragms. It's good. Yeah, sure, them up. sure it is. And scene. All right. Should we, let's let's call it. Oh, thank God. Two hundred and nine minutes. Should we yeah. call it? Yeah, it's like Holy the longest. Sh- it's I know the longest podcast since talking. like at season six. Hold on a second. It was Friday, so after midnight, I'm on weekend hours. This invoice is going to be huge. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> nice. so, uh, time to get out the mo- lawnmower again, Stu. Yeah, I know. Yep. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come mow your lawn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you for coming on again. I Absolutely. very much appreciate it. Oh, it was a blast. And now I have to run a game for you guys. But yeah, like I said, yeah. I'll after August. You I'm might. excited. That'll be no, great. I totally will. I'll I'll run I'll run games. Yeah. Okay. Dragon I'm not running games. Dragon. Yeah. Don't judge me though, because I'm no. terrified. Oh, we'll judge you. Making with love. All right, I'm gonna call it. All right, call it. Call it. Thank you for joining us for Season 15, Episode 2 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gina. This is Stork. And I'm still Kimmy. And I'm the Angry GM. And the Angry GM, thank you for joining us again. And you can go to, what, theangrygm.com? Theangrygm.com, that's right. Or madadventures.com to check out my other stuff. Or madadventures.com. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, I don't remember if we're on Saturday or Sunday next week. I'll post on the tweet. I think it's Saturday. Saturday. We're Saturday next week? Okay, all right. Oh, wait, except that's 4th of July. Oh, oh, no, no, we're Friday. We're Friday. Yeah. We're Friday. yeah. And that's with DT Pints. So. Ah. DT Pints! So thank you very much. Pints. Thanks, Angry. Thanks, Angry. Thank you very much, and we'll leave you with a song. Podcast will be two
When I was a young man, we lived near the sea strand, and my folks kept a tavern called the Admiral's Head. And old salts by the fireside would tell of the seas wide, the far foreign shores, and the lives that they'd led. And it's up and away in the morning, oh, the tears my poor mother has cried. But the sea it had called me, and you may say I'm balmy, but I went to her just like a bride. It's a band away in the morning. Well, I walked into Bristol with cutlass and pistol, a new bosun's whistle and a swagger in stride. And without too much censure, I soon was indentured and embarked for adventure on a bright morning sky. And it's a band away in the morning, with the wind to our backs we will sail. And a ship may well take you from here to Jamaica When they serve up the rum by the pail And it's a band away in the morning After two months hard toil We've ducked in Port Royal Our virtues to spoil Or at least to curtail But the trouble with the boisterous sailors who roisters Their choice is to run Or to end up in jail And it's a band away It's less we're shortening sail And we see the sea glitty Folksle and bowsprint And our course is well plotted And runs for the gale And it's up and away in the morning And though we may never come home We'll think of it often Till the day that our lead-weighted coffins Get tossed in the bowl And it's up and away in the We will sail, and the ship may well take you from here to Jamaica, where the storms and the waves they will toss you and shake you, and you'll do desperate deeds for which God might forsake you. But there's nowhere that we'd rather be, and it's a band away in the morning. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.